Poor Brace is sick. Yes. Um, it turns out that uh, instead of recording a episode when we were supposed to last week, I had I got Elon Musk type disease. Uh, mm. where Malaria. My, yes, where my brain is rotting, my body is falling apart, mm. uh, and your limbs keep falling off. Yes. Uh, also been caught in a bunch of cars that have been on fire, um, and uh, I've been decapitated several times. But yeah, I've been sick. This is this is the sickest I've been. And honestly, being sick is back, baby. COVID's over. COVID's over. This is just normal sick. I'm just regular sick. I just, like any other guy, have HPV. Elon Musk. Just kidding, ladies and gentlemen. HPV <laughs> is fake. I am just regular sick. <laughs> Welcome back to, uh, and that's where I get my voice is going to sound a little fucked up today. Oh my gosh. I know. I'm not sounding good. It's a little phlegmatic back here. That's okay. You keep saying that, phlegmatic. Phlegmatic. It's a word. It's, it makes, it sounds very like 70s, like um, phlegmatic, phlegmatic. What? I don't know. Some sort of like. Kind of vaudeville seventies. <laughs> I am I completely missing any sort of frame really? of reference that you're putting. Was vaudeville big in the seventies? I don't know. I'm thinking of like Liza Minnelli. It reminds me of a like Liza Minnelli kind of like. Oh, okay. I don't know, Liz. If I knew a lot about seventies type like Liza Minnelli stuff, I think that our show would have much more of a uh, Broadway type musical dynamic. If you get what I'm saying. <laughs> well, on that note. Musical note? Did you, mm-hmm. it? Did you see it? When I, I was, well, I heard it, but yeah. I don't know. I was trying to. On that note, hello, everyone. I'm Liz. My name is Brace, uh, extra nasally today, and we are, of course, joined by producer, and he's actually producing this from a burning Tesla, mm. Young Chomsky. Uh, the podcast is called Trunon, and this is part three in our long-awaited, no, wait. In our series, the long-awaited finale in our series. There we go. That's what it is. <laughs> um, part three of the lamest show on earth: the story of the rise and not fall of Elon Musk and Tesla Motors. Yeah, and uh, and I want to say there's been a tremendous response of people uh, emailing me personally, asking me for um, for financial advice with regards to investing mm, in Tesla. Please don't. Uh, and I have said, just throw it to the wind. What you do is you open up that little app there. And this is what I do with all investments. You open up the app. You got buy and you got sell there. Just start hit, close your eyes and just start hitting the phone screen. No, hit it several times until it makes a noise. And then you get what you get. <laughs> this is terrible. No, it's, it's, it's it, honestly, it is like a lot of people kind of missing this sort of thing from their life. It's just trusting in God. So, listeners, you may recall in our first episode, all those many hours ago, we talked to you about a little thing called ZEVs and the ZEV mandate in California. See that? I'm using both pronunciations there. I know. There. You're doing both. I kind of mm-hmm. like it. And you know why that is? Because I'm trusting in God, and through Christ, all things are possible. Oh, my God. Um, 
if if you don't quite remember that, listen to the entire two hour episode over again. Press mm-hmm. pause on this one, hop on over to the other one, and then come back to this one and finish it its entirety. Uh, but but we bring that up because ZEVs turn out to be very very crucial to Tesla's. Um, I was going to say business model, but entire existence is really the way to say it. Yeah, if you remember um, last episode, we left on a bit of a cliffhanger, kind of a dorky cliffhanger, to be mm-hmm. honest. Sorry Actually, that. Liz, that's sort of a rude thing to say, considering that there's been a couple instances of Tesla's driving off cliffs, and it's been <laughs> sort of like, no, I'm serious, one in Marin, and I think somewhere else in California, where it's been like a little unclear of, of what actually caused it. Mm. But but go on. Well, we left it on a bit of a cliffhanger, we did, which was that Tesla and Elon needed to prove, they needed to show one month of profit in order to uh, qualify for a DOE loan in order to keep the business up and running, to keep the lights on. Um, otherwise, Tesla going under, finito. Elon, broke-ass bitch. But that didn't happen. Tesla did post profits. And everyone was like, literally, how can how is this possible when, as we've laid out, they couldn't make any cars. They couldn't deliver any of the cars that they couldn't make, and uh, they couldn't they couldn't produce anything, right? So the ZEV credits and how they operate are key to understanding how Tesla is able to continually post profits when they actually don't make profits, if that makes sense. So remember, the ZEV mandate was uh, adopted in California, and it was a bunch of regulators saying we want to get to electric, like a transition into electric vehicle use. And what we're going to do is require that manufacturers uh, sell, not just produce, but sell a certain percentage of electric vehicles at like certain, by certain points in time, you know, in 2010, it has to be this percentage in 2012, it has to be that percent, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, if uh, there was a, there's a little carve out in the mandate that said, that small manufacturers could also sell credits to other manufacturers, right? So companies like Tesla that produce only electric cars, not just a certain percentage of electric cars, but only electric cars, would therefore qualify for a lot of credits. Yeah, we call that 100% mandate profit, baby. Because my (laughs) business model, right, is just electric, then I get credits for every single car that I ever sell. Well, in California. (laughs) Yeah. And this is like, I mean, this is really what Tesla does. And so they're able to um, kind of like through a little bit of accounting magic and people not really looking at this in the press releases say, okay, well, we've sold all of these credits that these cars print and that accounts for for these big gains in profits. So let's just fast forward right now. March 2008, CARB, remember CARB? Mm-hmm. California Air Resource Bureau. Thank you, because I forgot what it's for. Or excuse me. Um, they adopt some funny little rule changes to the ZEV mandate that actually ended up providing some like more flexibility to larger manufacturers. What's funny is that ironically, as we'll see ironically, initially Tesla opposed a bunch of these changes because they're like, fuck with our business model. Mm-hmm. We don't need to do anything that will, you know, like mess up what we've got going. We've got a good scheme going here. Instead, what CARB does is they, you know, in part of these rule changes, they they develop what's called like a new category. Uh, they call it type five category for quote, fast refueling ZEVs. Mm-hmm. And the idea was that if you have fast refueling ZEVs, these will earn more credits 
than any other kind of ZEV, right? So, so it's like so it's like a super ZEV. Like it's you know you not you not only get like the you get literally extra credit for it. Yes, and the idea was that you know from Carb's perspective, which you know as we laid out in episode one, is kind of. Uh, misguided in a lot of ways. Um, but from their perspective, you know, the idea was like, you have to get fast refueling ones because, you know, no one wants to be, wants to have a car that is just kind of like for tooling around little cities. You want it like that can go distance, right? And and so you wanted to push for technology that would allow for vehicle, for electric vehicles that can drive long distances. Well, one of the one of the big sort of problems that we people or manufacturers rather run into with electric cars is that the range on them has often been pretty small, and then obviously you know you run out of the amount of miles that you can go per car, which it does vary, uh, and it is ramping up quite a bit as time goes on. Uh, you have to recharge it, and recharging can be sort of a long process, especially if you don't have access to the fastest type of electricity that, uh, well, only people like me can have. Exactly. So they're trying to push this technology now. Keep that in the back of your mind. So in 2010, Tesla depended on the ZEV credits for 50% of their bottom line. So it's a great scheme. Yeah. No other like major car manufacturer had like has been able to earn ZEV credits on their own yet. Um, Tesla literally is just trading them to the big auto manufacturers, the automakers in Detroit and such, for like about five thousand dollars a credit. That's pretty good. Yeah. And, you know, uh, one of the Tesla execs at the time is, you know, says that without this revenue, like the Model S, like would not be viable. So remember, Elon is basically like Tarzan jumping vine to vine. He's printing regulatory credits from the advanced sale of his cars, which he then sells for a profit, which he then uses to front the manufacturing of new cars, which he then sells in order to print more credits, which he then sells to the big automakers, which he then turns Mm. to. I mean, you get the idea, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so in 2012, Tesla takes advantage of those ZEV changes. Remember the the fast refueling Type 5 uh, ZEV changes, and it reclassifies its cars as Type 5. This is months before it ever even publicly uh, announces a kind of like fast refueling program which which it uses as like its um battery swap program right yeah so it just in paperwork reclassifies them as type five and is printing those higher credits even though it's not yet making anything that would qualify at that level does that make sense so you get more credits for the type five car so, you know, there's fast refueling technology or whatever, but they're not even making it yet. They're not even making it yet. And actually, when a, like a citizen blogger journalist caught this when it was like going through filings, this is um, again a uh, motif in Tesla's history: mm-hmm. <laughs> the rise of the citizen auditor blogger. Um, and they it was able to kind of they, this this blogger guy like found all of this um, and was trying to get. California regulatory bodies to look into it. It turns out Tesla obtained type five ZEV status nine months before announcing any fast refueling feature. So it was getting extra credits, even though it hadn't built any anything that could qualify as such. Well, the other thing too is that their whole battery swap technology, which I think we sort of mentioned in the last episode, to me is is really emblematic of Tesla's. I hesitate to call it a business model, but I think that's just the most straightforward way to express it. Um, 
you know, if I'm not mistaken, the battery swap technology that they said they were introducing also would sort of coincide with this type five uh, reclassification thing, where they would get more credits and be able to sell more credits to auto manufacturers, et cetera, and also you know bank a lot of those themselves. So the whole thing with the battery swap is that you could just go to uh, one of these special Tesla refueling stations and get your actual entire battery of the car swapped out for a fully charged one in like, I mean, the, the amount of times they were promising were like, you know, it was super quick. I mean, I think it was like a, a minute and a half. I know they did a demonstration at one point on stage where they did it, but knowing Tesla and Elon Musk's Someone was like pouring for, ice water on them somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's just for some reason he's pissing in something. Um, I, I, I remember... Actually, there there was uh, apparently you know Harris Ranch in between uh, yeah, LA yeah, yeah. and the, San Francisco. They have one there where the yes. steaks are. Where well, it's not the steaks. I guess at that point it's cows. Well, I remember once, and I think I've talked about this trip before on the podcast when I was coming back from uh, LA and I was going through uh, some pretty bad heroin withdrawals, you know, shaking all that kind of stuff. And I get out, and there's just like you know, we stopped there to to, uh, to so I could urinate. And uh, there's like a Tesla, this is before the battery swap thing, but there's a Tesla refueling station. And I had never heard of a Tesla or like anything like that. And I stood like staring at it for like 20 minutes. <laughs> what the, f- I thought it was hallucinating. And it turns out that's where one of their fake battery swap stations were. The whole thing with the, and also it costs around, I think something around $50, they said to, 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 to swap out the battery. Um, the whole thing is that never materialized. That no. was just fake. Yeah, it was totally fake. It's a big fako in a line of fako things that Elon Musk announces in order to game or hack the kind of like regulatory credit system. Um, and it's it's a it's 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 almost like a genius idea because it, it turns out. I mean, his thesis is right. If you literally just say you're going to do this, and this of course is a running theme with Tesla. Uh, People will just give you money or like regulatory approval. Yeah, totally. And it doesn't really matter if you ever deliver. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, they um, they call these like the supercharging stations. We kind of mentioned these. They're supposed to be all around the nation, like a huge network. Um, so that like, yeah, like you say, like people can drive like long distances, not worry. You can swap out your battery. Boom, boom, boom. Super quick, super quick. And at this point, Tesla had banked so many of those ZEV credits for basically an unproven feature that they hadn't built these and they never did build. They banked so much of those battery swap credits, it accounted for 20% of the total ZEV credits that were issued nationwide. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. They... um, they like estimated there was like one of the, another one of those bloggers that estimated that even had that type 5 status been revoked that almost 40% of the credits that Tesla earned in California came from the battery swap <laughs> which again they never built and i don't even think that they ever got any penalty for for never having built this so everybody kind of knew that something sketchy was going on here. Um, I mean, like Liz said, you know, people were figuring out that the battery swap thing was a total fake. Uh, Tesla's own executives were sort of talking about how they were gaming the system. Uh, CARB officials even admitted that they knew something was going on. And in 2018, uh, CARB actually changes the ZEV credit system once again. They actually make them even rarer. Uh, all all manufacturers, every car can only get three credits per car at most. 
Meaning that there won't be some car manufacturers with like a bajillion credits and some with none, mm. et cetera. You know, it sort of evens the playing field, which, you know, you would assume would maybe solve the problem. In this case, it uh, absolutely does not solve the problem because like Liz just <laughs> said, you know, they're fucking Tesla's, Tesla's got trench coat after trench coat after trench coat in a long closet in Kimball Musk's house. Uh, with which are just filled with ZEV mm. credits that they've banked, that they've stored up, yeah, and uh, and and they they essentially just shove them up their ass and wait for winter. And so now that these credits are even rare, well, who's got a huge surplus of them? Tesla. Yeah, so now they're worth more. I mean, that's what's so funny is that these regulators think that they're oh we're going to fix this loophole, and in fact they just completely and totally supercharge Tesla's earnings, right? Yeah, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, in twenty eight, in two thousand eight, uh, they had three and a half million in ZEV credit sales. In twenty twelve, it jumps to forty million. Forty million. Insane. Insane. I do want to be clear because I know that there's going to be some, um, or possibly maybe some Tesla pedants out there, and also want to be clear in case uh, there's some Tesla bulls out there that get angry at us. But there's other credits kind of lumped in with this. It's not just the ZEV. There's like some federal credits. There's um, like GHG federal credits and some other ones that I can't totally remember. Um, But I'm just kind of lumping them together, mainly focusing on the ZEV. But there's other credits that Tesla is getting um, or printing really and selling. Um, And I want to just point that out because often like critics of Tesla will talk about the ZEV credit sales. And one of the the very cute Tesla PR moves is to say like, oh, no, look, we'll take out the the ZEV revenue and look, we're still posting a profit on the books. And everyone's like, oh, see, it isn't that. But the thing is, is that they're not taking out the other credits. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Little scam accountants. Anyway, they just hit the little top thing in Excel and like, look, you know. Yeah, but it's still there. I mean, these guys are—they uh, got some real good accounting practices. Well, speaking of really good accounting practices, Liz, I think it's time we take a little digression and head on over to. Uh, to Solar City, where the uh, where the electricity is cheap, uh, and the girls that Kimball Musk brings are uh, very pretty. So I think a lot of people are sort of vaguely aware of the name Solar City. It's it's often spoken at the kind of cocktail parties that I go to in the same name as or in the same breath rather as Solyndra. Or uh, the Chinese uh, electric roof firm that I tried to start several years ago uh, with with several members of the Politburo, but uh, but but Liz, let me ask you this: right, you seen you seen a solar panel before, right? Mm, yes. You seen a shingle before, right? Like shingle of a roof. Sure. Picture this: what if you combined the two things and made a solar shingle shingle roof? Well. My mind is blown. Whoa. It sounds fake, right? Yeah, it does sound fake. Oh, well, it is. Yeah, you can't uh, do that. Is <laughs> it, well, you can do that. It's just they, they have not been able to do it yet. So there is another Musk company, uh, and I, I, I think I think it's safe to say this is a Musk company uh, called Solar City. It was actually started by his cousins, and 
One thing that I've learned from uh, my Midwestern friends is to never get into business with your cousins. And what cousins these are. Exactly. They will end up stabbing you over fentanyl in Dayton. Um, yeah, it is started by his cousins, Peter and Lyndon Riv. And, uh, you know, Tesla, Elon Musk's whole thing, always got to get the family involved, including his pervert fucking brother. Uh, Elon Musk himself was chairman, and it was essentially a solar panel installation company that scammed people 100% down the line. Yeah, including like Tesla shareholders. Yes. Yeah. Well, in fact, I would say, well, um, let's not, not, let's not do a you know a victim uh, weighing out thing here. <laughs> There's a lot of victims in the Solar City. Uh, yeah. Crime rate. The crime rate is through the roof in Solar City. Through the solar uh, roof. Exactly. So, uh, so their business model is is kind of similar to Elon Musk's. Uh, you know, we 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 you know wind the clock way back to uh, to X.com and PayPal. Uh, kind of similar is where they essentially kind of just like say that. Make it seem like they're paying you to sign up. Uh, what they would do is they would front the cost. They would send like a salesman around to your house, and they would tell you that they will literally just pay for your solar panels. Like uh, we'll just put them in, and you pay us back, <laughs> which is uh, fantastic, right? Mm. I mean, you know, you're getting something for free. All you just have to do is is, is pay it back. Well, the thing is, is there are programs in several states where you essentially sell excess power that your solar panels um, generate mm. back to the power companies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These produce something called renewable energy credits. Whoa, regulatory credits? Yes. No way. And the thing is, if Solar City, if you fall for this little scam, because, you know, as uh, as Elon Musk's Favorite book says there is no such thing as a free lunch. Uh, you you do not have control over your your renewable energy credits if Solar City involves your roof uh, in, uh, installs your roof. Uh, they they do. They mm. get all of your solar credits and they sell these back to power companies. Uh, and these that's power how they companies, make money. Yes. Mm. Well. That's a that so theoretically. Right, that's so they could theoretically, make theoretically. <laughs> it's a good idea. Unfortunately, the uh, the the cousins are mm. not as um, well. It's it's maybe not as great a business model as Tesla's is uh, mm. because there's also a lot of competition. What did we call it before? What did we say? A Fonzie cream? Uh, what? What? When did we say that? Was it episode one? I think we oh, said so we wouldn't. We would months ago. You know, we would say. Yes. This is something that sounds a little bit like something that rhymes with Fonzie's cream. Mm-hmm. A f- yeah, it's a it's a Fonzie cream. You're right. Exactly. This is this is Kimball Musk's <laughs> hairless and vestless Stop torso. Rubbing your nipples. Well, I'm just explaining to you what he does. All right. So, who buys the re- renewable energy credits? It is power companies. Power companies use these credits to be like, "Look, we are investing in clean power." Blah right. blah 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 blah. Much like listen, the automakers in Detroit use the Tesla credits. Exactly. And listen, to a guy like me, you might be wondering, "How come we're going so hard at all these electric companies?" Because I fucking roll coal, bitch. <laughs> I'm always right. Ro- we said before, I don't know how to drive. I don't know how to drive cars for women. I do know how to drive a 15-foot-tall truck with basically two industrial-grade smokestacks coming out of the back. And that is exactly what I would drive into Solar City's headquarters if I was one of the people who unfortunately got scammed by them. So actually, by having to front a bunch of the costs for these roofs, 
because at, at some point they had a pretty commanding market share. I think it was like twenty percent. They were running out of money and and hemorrhaging cash. Mm. The board's tripping out. Demand was way higher than supply, and so they, much like Tesla, decide to get into the manufacturing business. <laughs> Uh, there is a whole love, lot you can get into. I also into. love this move, which is just like, man, we're running out of money. What if we started investing in making things? Yes, yes. <laughs> like you know, well, you don't have any money. I will say from from there is there is a really excellent Vanity Fair article about mm, uh, yeah. about the disaster uh, they they had in upstate New York, um, Buffalo, Buffalo, exactly one of the most beautiful cities in America. Actually, I don't know, I never, but I like upstate New York. It's not um, really upstate New York. Well, I, it's Buffalo. I don't. I don't fucking know, man. See, I don't know. I, I'm a California guy. Uh, anyways, they had this insane deal. It's too much to get into, but you can kind of guess what happened. They got a billion dollars or close to it from the government in order to create this giant factory, make all these jobs. Of course, as time goes on, the jobs are downgraded from high tech jobs to promised mm. uh, just regular jobs. Yeah. Uh, Factory is kind of half built. Uh, The years have gone by. I think this is in 2014. This deal has been made. It is now time check 2021, and I think there's been something like uh, 500 out of 2,000 people hired. Familiar Uh, story. Also, Cuomo had his hands all over this deal. Yes, uh, and and there's a great quote that uh, says Cuomo saw Musk's uh, Cuomo saw Musk as the Dalai Lama. Uh, which Ugh, is that's a weird comparison. He's capping. Mm. He's capping there. That's capping. Stop saying capping. I- <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so as you can imagine, Solar City starts going fucking bust. I mean, they're just like shelling out yeah. for roof after roof. Busting they're making- everywhere. So the, the money is trickling back in, and they are you know fucking blasting that shit out, getting people's uh people's solar panels up on their roofs, and so. The board of Tesla uh, kind of gets into it a little bit because with Musk, because Musk wants to buy Solar City. Well, here's uh, the thing. Yeah. Now I want to be clear about something. Musk had to buy Solar City because at 100%. this point, Musk has been like, first of all, Elon's name is completely and totally associated with Solar City at this point. He's the chairman of the board. Yeah, I mean, but it's like this is his other company. It's like you got SpaceX, you got Solar, you got Boring, you got Tesla, whatever. It was just like another one in his brand portfolio. And I mean, it's crazy that they didn't let this company go bankrupt considering it based I mean, it's just like we said, it's a Fonzie cream. But <laughs> but in, if he hadn't stepped in and basically bought out this company, it's unclear how damaging it would be to Tesla and his basically the larger portfolio. And remember, the man is all about the brand. And he's all about the brand because he's all about the stock. Well, he's he's he does something that's very interesting here. And by interesting, I mean it's an example of something that we've said over and over and over and over again in all three episodes of this series, is that he goes out and demonstrates a new product that Solar City is developing on the set of hit television show Desperate Housewives, uh, which I have not seen, but I assume that people enjoy watching. That was a big show at that time. I, I have no recollection. Uh, but anyways, he goes out to the set of it, and it's like, you see this fucking roof? You see the roof of the Desperate Housewives house? Solar. 
Mm-hmm. It's a solar roof. And everyone was like, whoa. People's minds were blown because they were like, we no longer have to have this field of solar panels. Now we have a solar roof. Mm-hmm. Only thing is, as you can imagine, he was lying. There was no solar yeah, fake, roof. Yeah, uh, It was fake. Just a regular roof yeah. on these houses. Fake it. Uh, I think there was maybe some dummy things up there. But this does boost SolarCity's stock, and this helps Elon convince a board, the board of Tesla that, of course, he most controls anyways, into thinking that Solar City, a company with billions of dollars in debt, would be a sound fucking investment. <laughs> so they do purchase a Solar City. Uh, it's unclear. I've seen several, 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 sometimes wildly different amounts bandied about for how much they bought Solar City for. Yeah. But it's it looks like about five billion dollars. Whether they spent two point five billion dollars on the company and then also assumed uh, three billion of Solar City's debt, which it did have. I don't know, but they spent many billions on it. Um, uh, of course, Solar City keeps getting worse. Uh, its market share used to be twenty percent in certain regions. Now it is seven percent. Uh, things keep getting worse and worse and worse for it. And the thing is, Solar City should not be a company anymore. No, it should go bust. I mean, there's been scandal after scandal. They have whistleblowers saying that they're pumping the numbers. Everything's fucking fake. They're Potemkin company. But Elon Musk cannot let Solar City go under. No, he can't because it would like it totally would have put a big chink in the like Tesla armor. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it would have affected Tesla's like share prices and if you know so Elon's allowed to bail out this company that is essentially illiquid or in the process of bankruptcy. I mean that's literally yeah. what you the last, you know, some odd years of Solar City have shown. That's every single thing that Solar City has done has been what a company in bankruptcy would do. Exactly. <laughs> but um, he had to in order to salvage basically the Tesla brand. And you can't, I mean, like, you know, Elon is this kind of captain of the green industry, captain planet, and all the different rings. It's like Solar City, Tesla, SpaceX. You know what I mean? But it's yeah. like all the guys like, by your powers combined, I am Elon Musk. And, you know, he had to do it or else the entire image would crumble. And if it crumbles, then it would affect the share prices. And so in this way, in this like perverse way, it actually makes complete and total sense that he was allowed to bail out Solar City because... Every you know, perception is everything. Fundamentals mm-hmm. mean nothing. That's what billionaire Liz mindset says. So okay, back to Tesla. Mm. <laughs> We're now in the greatest year of my life, 2012. Was that a good year for you? That was one of the worst years of oh, my life. I'm That's sorry. why, I, I, yeah. But I will say, uh, more fiscally responsible. Than Elon Musk. Yeah, things are not looking so good for him by the end of 2012. First, he comes out and says the Model S would be $57,000. Then later, you've got production issues, and they're announcing they're going to raise the price by $2,500. He always jumps the gun on the prices. I don't think he's jumping the gun. I think he's like, I mean, I think they literally run into these production issues, and he's like, whoops, going to really cost a lot more money. Pump it up a little bit, yeah. Or they run into... Accounting issues, and they need to yeah. up the price. You know what I'm saying? I've run into some accounting issues. He always excuses it too by saying it's like less than the price of inflation, which is like because he's like, "Oh, the car was announced in 2009, and it's like well, four years later." Fair enough. I wouldn't. Sh- yeah, that's actually a really good <laughs> it's idea. Pretty funny. It's pretty funny. Yeah, to just announce like something that's not going to come out for a long time and be like, "Yeah, it's forty dollars right now," yeah, and then totally. just keep raising it. The yeah, idiot is the guy who says, "Well, he's got a point." Yeah. 
They also claim that the price raising is for, you know, they want to ensure quality, but there's like major, major quality issues dogging Tesla. And this is when the first reports of some unaligned body panels start coming about. They have panels kind of sitting ajar. They've got, you know, missing software features are starting to appear on the blogs and the blogosphere. Mm-hmm. Um And, you know, it's like Q3 2012, Musk tells a Wall Street analyst on a call that the Model S reservations should ramp up because, oh, it's really spreading wildly by word of mouth. Oh, my God, everyone's talking about it. But like years later, he admits that word of mouth is terrible. So the company's not doing well. Okay. They had basically drawn down all the remaining funds that they had stocked away from that DOE loan. And they had about just like $85 million in cash on hand, which is down from $210 million in the previous quarter. So they're like fucking burning cash. And they uh-huh. cannot get this car built. They can't get Christ. it built. It's like fucking Kimball Musk at a damn strip club. It's also like it's also like Groundhog Day with this company. It's like every fucking quarter, the same story. It's crazy. Um, in 2012, he says they don't ever need to raise another funding round, but by October in 2012, they sell another 225 million in order to raise funds. So they're like selling stock to get more money. Um, December rolls around, and there's still like major operating. Like they're still having major operating losses um, and they're trying to like conserve as much cash as they can on hand. But it shows that their AP is showing that they're owing about $150 million in December alone to suppliers. And so like the books are not looking good. Um, I'm not going to say that they cook or cook start cooking the books. But the books are starting to look a little cooked, if you know what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, I, I see. I see what you're saying. Yeah, and like, listen, I'm a guy who's cooked, and by cooked, I mean burned a lot of books in my <laughs> yeah. life, and I can smell it from a mile away. This guy is doing some funky accounting. Yeah, the accounting here is gets a little funny. Um, so much of that gets into the weeds of accounting practices that, to be honest, I don't want to get into and don't totally understand. Also, mm-hmm. kind of boring. But suffice to say that from my understanding, what they're doing is they move stuff from one end of the ledger into the other. Basically, like they capitalize losses in order to make it look like it's in like accounts payable rather than like a loss that should be operating on their books, if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, kind of. Anyway. But I trust you. This is when some of the reports this stuff by a lot of citizen auditor bloggers start coming out. Um, they do also a bunch of other like funny little tricks where they call people with reservations and they're like, hey, you know what you should do is you should up your delivery so you can get the $7,500 IRS tax credit this tax year. You can get it on your 2012 taxes. Even if you don't get the car until 2013, if you pay in full right now, you'll get the tax credit. That's not true, and that's never how the taxes <laughs> have worked. But they fucking told people that that's how it would work, and so people like would pay for these cars in full, thinking they'd get seventy five hundred dollars back on their taxes that year. They wouldn't. Well, listen, all right, I can't really fault them for this because during the Bernie Sanders campaign, in order to get people to vote for him, <laughs> I would phone bake them and I would say, "Oh, you know, can I count on your vote for Bernie or whatever?" Yeah. Blah blah blah. Uh, but I would also promise them whatever they wanted to hear. Sure. 
So if I got the, you know, if someone sounded hungry, if someone sounded angry, if someone sounded horny, I would basically promise them the most uh, immediate thing in my mind to fix those things for them. So, you know, I, I can't really fault Tesla salespeople for this. Although Elon himself, even though I, w- I will be honest, like, you know, this does seem like not a shady tactic, but like obviously a tactic you're trying to drum up some fucking dough. Elon was like, we don't do things like that at Tesla. No, like he that always is not. It. That's not the Bushido way of operating my fake scam car company. <laughs> yeah. So by the end of February 2013, 2013, this is just like this is not that long after they got fucking bailed out by the government. Yeah, yeah. They have fifty nine million dollars on hand, so they're like again on the verge of bankruptcy. So quarter one, twenty thirteen. So like the early part of twenty thirteen. Yes. You're talking about yeah, February right. twenty thirteen. I was also bailed out by my dad around this time, <laughs> and this is when I first uh, went into a facility, and I got to say, things were turning around for the B-Man. Well, they also so, turned around for Tesla because March 2013, a miracle happened. Mm, the March miracle. We're, we're, all, we're all miracles. That's actually something I learned back then. <laughs> Q1 2013, Tesla's stock surges, surges. Because they announced surprise profit. Surprise! We've actually made $321 million in March alone. They're basically on the verge of insolvency one month prior to this. And then suddenly, boom, surprise profit. The stock price, blammo, through the solar roof. It's called trusting God. So wait, why did this happen? But how, I, I, why did this why happen? Why did this right. happen? How could I this happen? I honestly can't figure out why this did happen. I have read Niedermeyer's book. <laughs> I read the Vance book. I read the blogs. Why did this happen? How can you go from having no money and then essentially like a month later, nothing has changed and you now have hundreds of millions of dollars? Do you remember the ZEV credits? I remember vividly. that We talked about this 15 minutes ago. Of course I remember those. In Q1, they sold $68 million of ZEV credits. There was one website that estimated that Tesla was getting about 35 k in environmental credits for each Model S that they sold. That's how much they're printing. So you're just adding a little bit on that? All right, all right. Yeah, I mean, I really want to like drive this home – you know, about the ZEV credit program and the way that Tesla operates. There was this like Chinese study done on the credit program when China was kind of evaluating whether or not Mm -hmm. to implement this program. Spoiler, they did, uh, in addition to a lot of other things. But uh, it reported that the ZEV credits actually accounted for 125% of Tesla's gross revenue. Wait, you can have... You could have more than 100% of? (laughs) Yes. They found the ZEV credits were 350% of gross revenues in 2012 alone. And between Q1 and Q3, Tesla sold by far the most ZEV credits of any manufacturer. And that's posting that post that allowed them to post another round of surprise profits, which pushes the stock up even more. So by the fall of 2013, Tesla shares had risen from $35 January 2nd, right? All mm. the way to $193.37. Do I detect some sour grapes here, Lizzie? <laughs> well, the stock, I mean, no, yeah. A little, you know what? A little bit. I'll be honest with you, a little bit too. <laughs> I, I wasn't exactly liquid in the fall of 2013. Uh, in fact, I was uh, unfortunately 
back on the street, as they say. Oh, a law, a Tesla that had been recalled and put back out there again, yeah, to set himself on fire once more. But uh, I'll tell you, I wish I had known what the stock market was at this point. Well, there's more because Tesla announces that the 40 million in regulatory credit sales in 2012, now by 2013, it's 194 million. 2014, it's 216 million. In 2015, the LA Times does a report and they estimate that that Elon across the like Tesla, SolarCity, and SpaceX has now collected nearly five billion dollars in government subsidies. Five billion. Jesus Christ. So that includes government incentives, tax breaks for factories, constructions, discounted loans, environmental credits that Tesla sells, rebates to buyers of solar panels and electric cars. Like this entire bizarro constellation of uh kind of like of like tax breaks and incentives and loopholes five billion and it's all going to elon i I gotta tell you i need to talk to his tax guy this is great they should make this stuff available to everybody I mean, Elon is really, you know, he really pushes back on this whole notion that Tesla survives because of government subsidies, but it it literally, it literally has. Um, In 2017, he like says on some earnings call, he's like, Tesla has exceeded in spite of the incentives, not because of them. But it doesn't make any sense. No, it makes no sense. In 2016, the credit revenue hit 300 million. In 2017, it's 360 million. And then by 2018, it's fucking $400 million. And I want to like, you know, to take a step back for a second, because I want to like put this in context of the other automakers, because remember, they're buying, they're the ones purchasing these credits. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 It's it's his market for them. Absolutely. And it's not like, this is not, you know, there's this weird sort of notion that um, like Tesla is pushing the other companies like tech. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like getting them to compete yeah. and do you see what it's doing? And yes, oh, like yeah. they don't want to buy these credits, but well, they've got to. And like this is just how the system is working. And it's all Tesla's doing, you know, whatever. No. Like the automakers are fucking stoked because they're basically using Tesla as a loss leader for the entire industry. And in fact, like Detroit is propping up Tesla as much as the government. Right? Yeah. I mean, where do you think this $400 million is coming from? It's not coming from like me. Absolutely. It's like a weird sort of like regulatory laundering, and everyone is stoked. Uh, Tesla, Detroit, the government, all of it. It's all working as it should. Right? Like, I guess I just, I just want to be clear that, um, you know, EV tech and these like vehicles for mass production. We're not there yet in 2012, in 2013, in 2017, really in 2018. It's not even until like, from my, I mean, from my understanding, it's not even until like this year and last year that you're seeing, you know, like for example, Ford putting out the electric F-150 or whatever, where you're seeing like big fucking pushes on like mass selling cars, like converting to electric, right? And yeah, yeah. The, the the car companies weren't ready to get there. And so they're using Tesla as a kind of like regulatory absorption tool. And like everyone is stoked. This is this is benefiting everyone. The idea that Tesla is competing with or pushing the tech or like there's some sort of like free market innovation thing happening here is fucking bullshit. No, they own this part of the market. It's all bullshit. 
Okay, Mademoiselle Money, what happens next? So, all right. Well, I can tell you what immediately happens next. He pays off the loan that they got from the Department of Energy, which, by the way, the Department of Energy should give everybody loans. Like, I should be able to get some kind of money because I still do that shit when you turn off the light when you leave the room. Um, I feel like I don't need to do that. I think that's fake. I don't feel like you actually save any electricity. Not looking into that or anything, but that seems fake to me. And I feel like I should get some kind of stipend or at least some, like a you know, a credit on their website or something for con- consistently doing that. But he pays off that DOE loan with the money raised by this stock surge, right? Yeah, the surge in stock price in 2013 uh, does another thing, which is it 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 surges. And I guess I'm saying surges. I don't know why. Yeah, but we love surge. Yeah, the soda surge. What happened to that? Does it still exist? Uh, uh, no, it was banned. Surge was the one that they told us had, uh, I think, bull come in it when I was little. <laughs> Eventually, Wait, they what? said Red Bull did. Yeah, I don't know if you, I don't know if I don't know if the the ladies' side of middle schools had mm. this, but uh, when Surge was around, it was like. Oh, dude, you can't drink that. That has like bull semen in it. I and thought then that was when Red, Red Bull. Bull. Well, the Red Bull sort of took that mantle from Surge. Mm. I mean, maybe there was just a local rumor where I was, but I distinctly remember people telling me Surge also had it in it. Well, the stock surges, and it surges enough to convert six hundred million in debt through so through its bond program. So what it did to one of its kind of like equity rounds that we kind of like glossed over because it's boring, but I'm just gonna say it really quick. What it does is it issues debt that people can buy, um, and then they hold this Tesla debt, which the idea is that, oh, Tesla will you know have to owe them interest on it, or the debt, if the stock price hits a certain point, it converts into equity. And so you get actually Tesla, Tesla stock at a cheaper price than what it is at the conversion price. Ooh. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'd buy some of that. Yeah. So- it searches enough to convert $600 million in debt into equity, which, <laughs> fun, fun, boosts the company and the stock price even more. So this is this kind of like snowball effect that we're going to see with Tesla, right? And this is like, I mean, this basically marks a turn for the company. Um, imagine seeing like Elon, it's like he just sees dollar signs in his eye, like the pupils turn into dollar signs and there's the cash mm-hmm. register sound and it's the cartoon, you know what I mean? And What's the cash register sound? I don't know, Brace, can, can you do it? No, I was actually, you know, well, no, actually I'm going to flip, I'm going to turn the table a no. little bit here. Can you do it? I'm sick. I can't really do it. You can hear I'm very phlegmatic. Can you just do it? Can you do it? Ka-ching. Ka-ching. It's actually cha-ching. <laughs> Not. Yeah, it is. That's actually how it sounds. No. But you're not stacking dollars, so I understand why you would think that. But it's true. He like really switches tactics here. He goes full court press on on the on the press. I don't know. <laughs> well, what, is, what is with you and just repeating words? You go, full the, the, the sturges through the surge. We're going full court press on the press. Well, he does go full court press on the press and he, he basically says like he wants to change the entire PR strategy and he tells his team to basically start making one announcement a week to get more coverage because he sees that all the positive coverage starts boosting the stock. And so like in the coming months, we get the, that's when we get the announcement of the battery swap program that never existed. Then we get that he's making charging systems zombie apocalypse proof. Okay, well, that actually does make sense because uh, 
there will never be a zombie apocalypse because thankfully God, God isn't on Reddit. <laughs> um, but, uh, but so yeah, everything is zombie apocalypse proof. It'll just never happen. Autopilot gets announced here, which believe me, we're going to get into in a second. Um, All right. Putting a dollar, putting a dollar in the coin for that, or in the jar for that rather. But, uh, but she's right. Yes. We'll get very into autopilot (laughs) soon. He claimed at some point that the Model S had earned the best safety rating of a car ever tested. Um, And that basically got like the, the safety, the like highway safety administration to be like, no, it didn't. <laughs> and those guys, by the way, your ratings. the NHTSA sucks his dick like all the fucking time. So for, in order for them to say that, he's really got to be lying. Yeah. That's the thing is, is, is Musk learns at this point. And this is something that, in fact, I had learned in Q1 2013, that you can just kind of say things to people and they'll just believe you. And sometimes they'll just give you money. Yeah. Uh, that And that's like... <laughs> I think that's a lot of the sort of interaction that like regular people who are no interest in buying Tesla or whatever and like aren't Elon fans have had with Musk is that like, oh yeah, doesn't that guy announce some like fucking thing every week? Like, oh, you know, like the new Tesla, like you can actually like, you can actually finger it uh, through the charging port. Well, you actually, you actually can't do that yet. Um you know, shit like that. It's like, oh, he just like announces a new fucking dumb feature every week. The thing is, a lot of these features fucking pump that stock up. Yeah, right? because I mean, it it's gets a great so much idea. press. Mm-hmm. And the positive press like fuels more like talk, which if everyone's talking, then oh, all the stock is on the cable news networks, and then oh, it keeps going, snowball, snowball. And it, it's like it keeps fueling the surge. The yeah. surge is surging. Yeah. And it's surging so much because of another reason. And this is fucking key to understand. Now, that Q1 March miracle, March 2013, with the ZEV credits, right? When it shows all this profit, this propels the company into the NASDAQ 100. Now, that triggers another major stock in- increase. So in July 2013, of that year, NASDAQ announces that Tesla would replace Oracle in the NASDAQ 100. Again, the NASDAQ 100 is like a, you know, it tracks 100 stocks, whatever, right? We all know what the NASDAQ is. It's the NASDAQ. It's the NASDAQ. But the NASDAQ 100 is like the elite Praetorian stocks. It's kind of, yeah. It's one, you know, NASDAQ, Dow, S&P. Okay. This, but the, the key is, is that it guaranteed investment by ETFs and other financial products tethered to NASDAQ trackers, right? Yeah. So you have funds that track, that like align with the NASDAQ, and they those funds have to, uh, like their mix has to match exactly the mix that's in the NASDAQ. And so if the NASDAQ adds Tesla in, all of those funds have to add Tesla in as well, Right. Yeah, so it gets added to a lot of like, you know, big funds. Absolutely. And they have to buy more of the stock, which of course pushes the stock price up even further. This is from Bloomberg in 2013. Tesla has surged 264% this year. The other current leader in the Nasdaq is Netflix, which gained 166%. That's so much less than what Tesla <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. ETFs and other products linked to Nasdaq managed about forty nine point four billion at the end of the year. So that's how much institutional is pouring into Tesla that year. 
just by getting the inclusion in the NASDAQ. How is there this much money? <laughs> There's so much more money than that, too. I know, but like <laughs> you think about the, even just this, like how is like who? What? Yeah. Like, do you know anybody who has this money? Not that much money. No. No, but like, I I, what, I know. I, I it just all don't sounds get fake. It. it all sounds, it sounds fake. fake, and yet it's fucking real. Mm-hmm. So the value of Elon's personal shares at this point have now exceeded about a billion dollars. Even though the company can barely launch a fucking Model S and is like hoarding cash, yeah. um, by the end of 2013, he's worth more five, more than 5.5 billion, and he's of course named Forbes Businessman of the Year. I mean, it's like incredible what he's done. He's now this like fucking media sensation, Elon and Tesla itself, and even more so than before. Like you know, Tesla was and is as profit challenged as ever at this point. But that's like not what anyone is talking about. You know, the yeah, lamestream yeah. media is like, oh, Hyperloop. Oh, self-driving. Oh, battery swap. Oh, drive-in restaurant they're going to do. That was announced, by the way. Streaming service. Yeah, streaming platform. Like some of this helps build the mythos of the brand and sell more cars. But honestly, like that's fucking marginal. Like what this does is juice the stock with all the press and it provides a great song and dance for all the people to pay attention to instead of any of the quality or the delivery or the production or the actual fucking meat and potatoes of fucking making a car, which plague all of the real life work that is happening like in the real world. Well, the other thing too, is it, is it really, I mean, think about the person who's making all of these announcements, right? Like it's Elon. You know, he's the one going on stage. He's yes. the one telling you. I forgot the streaming service I read about last night. I was <laughs> like, so oh, yeah, he's, you, you are, know what? He mentioned the drive-in food again thing this year. Well, the fucking why drive-in would anybody want that after this year of not being able to go indoors in restaurants <laughs> in so many different places? It's why so on earth who wants to drive it? Because you know, in his fucking stupid little brain, he has like the idea of like it's like Tesla Sonic. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's like yeah, Sonic yeah. where you drive up and there's like a Tesla like charging station and like some little girl comes out. <laughs> some, some girl comes out with- Well, no, this is Elon, not Kimball. <laughs> with like cheeseburgers on a platter. It's like the Tesla burger. And I'm sure it's like fucking Beyond Burger. Some yeah. like bullshit, you know? No, no, it's Elon. It would be like, this is pure, you know, he's like a, it's a Reddit guy. So he would, he would like, uh, he's like, he's the kind of Reddit boy. guy who's like not- there's a lot of different Reddit, but like he uh, he's like a I would say a more libertarian Reddit guy, where he's mm. like he would probably be more into like the red meat. Sort of thing. You know that is a fascinating aspect of Elon and Tesla that I think goes unremarked on, which is that he's really bridged the gap between that kind of like libertarian, like Rogan brain, to like uh, middle class like iPhone lover. Oh no! Absolutely, I, I will say he's the missing link between soy and meat. I was going to say like soy and alpha, but it's not. That's different. He's yeah, not. Yeah, he's, yeah. It's not really on the triangle there. I will like. I know this has been bandied about a lot uh, lately by a lot of different people. I will say Elon Musk is is probably sigma. He's. I think he is a sigma male. Well, so anyways, this all goes to to basically fuel. Not God, we know. I, we gotta stop saying fuel. No, we're fueling the surge, and the surge is surging based on the fuel from the surge. Here's the thing: is 
I love gasoline. <laughs> I love driving in cars that are what? powered by it. I love pouring it on a bunch of books and oh then throwing God. the fucking, you know, when you light the whole pack of matches on fire, throwing that bitch on there. I love huffing it. I use it in perverse sexual acts. <laughs> and the thing is, like, you know, we got the fucking, we're, you know what, you know what surge is getting fueled right now? The cult of Tesla. So you guys know how like a certain type of guy that lives in India is with Israel? Well, imagine that, although uh, this actually also includes those same guys in India, but imagine that, but for like a bunch of different kind of guys and it replaced Israel with Elon Musk. And you have essentially the same thing. Elon Musk has, and I'm sure many of you would have encountered it, a sort of growing and growing in both um, numbers, but also an intensity cult that's mm. springing up around him and around Tesla. And it's sort of like a like techno cult where these people are often. I mean, you know, a lot of them are you know holding on to the stock, but also like they think he's a genius. Like they think he is like Tesla or Edison mm. or you know one of these other guys who, by the way, faked all their fucking inventions. All that shit's been around for thousands of. Of years, checking my other podcast for more on that. Um, and, and like they, they become obsessed with 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 Elon the man yeah. and Tesla and, and you know etc. The company. Yeah, I mean we've you know we've mentioned a couple times the Belagosphere and how important that is to Tesla um, and the and the kind of story at every stop on the road. You mm. like that? You want mm-hmm. a little more? A little more of those? Uh, no, that's that's about the perfect amount. <laughs> I mean, at, it's funny because kind of like before the the big cult of Tesla like becomes this this thing, um, there were these like niche auto blogs, right? I mean, we're in like 2007, 2008, 2009, 2020, things maybe start changing a little bit. But that's like the, you know, stuff was still pretty nerdy. You know, the social media revolution had not, uh, you know, it wasn't in full in total full swing, right? Facebook, yeah. yes. Twitter, not as much. And that becomes very key for Tesla. Um, so but there's these like little, you know, niche auto blogs covering like the new releases. There's like separate from that, there's like, you know, little like niche, like, oh, we're really into green tech, you know, and like, what are the hybrids and the battery? You know, and it's all kind of like, kind of like how Yahoo had groups. Like that's like yeah. how blogs were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All this like changes um, and it coincides, you know, you know, in some ways with the 2013 stock jump. And it's not like boomer environmentalists that are talking about Tesla anymore, but like young millennial techies that look at Musk as like the next Steve Jobs. Like Tesla becomes the iPhone of cars. And similar to the kind of evangelizing of Steve Jobs, Tesla transforms into this like its own kind of cult through this with this kind of like ideological mission and all of these kind of social media fueled missionaries that go along with it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the whole thing that like is so fascinating about Tesla is that Elon Musk really still wants to run it like a tech company. I mean, obviously that's become very in vogue lately for any kind of company is to be like, we're running this like a startup or whatever. Right. But but car companies are fundamentally different, right? Because they manufacture a product. And yes, putting a coin in the jar, we are going to talk about <laughs> some of the problems of maybe running your car company like a tech startup uh, in a little bit. 
but uh, maybe some of the manufacturing problems that you run into. But but it, it, it's it's sort of astounding because you know uh, Niedermeyer makes a really good point in 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 his book is that like you know the sort of motto of these tech companies is move fast and break stuff, which is about the last sentence that you want said or, around your fucking car. Yeah, I mean, then this becomes the image of the company. It's Tesla as the disruptor. It's yeah. the disruptor of the auto industry, and this is yeah. like this is a complete and total like tonal shift. From the way that even Musk had talked about the company prior to that, um, I really think this has been forgotten. But it's true, you know. And 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 with this kind of shift in messaging and the kind of um, the people that start talking about the company and the way they start talking about it, you know, there's also a shift in again those like blogospheres where I was saying, you know, it's it's less these sort of like niche. Um, auto guys that are really into cars and more like um, bloggers that now have financial incentives and are maybe basically like influencers or think of themselves as influencers. Yes, because the gravy train is sort of tooting through each station here and more and more people are getting on board. And to keep this metaphor going as long as I can, I'm still thinking of the next thing to say. Check this out. They're fun, they're essentially hyping up the laying down of more track. You like that fucking shit oh right there? God. That's uh, that's that's this is podcasting, baby. They're laying down more fucking track for this gravy train to keep on uh choo chewing along here. Yeah. So for example, there's this one blog, Electric. Mm-hmm. Or Electric with a K. Yeah. Very clever. By Seth Weintraub. Now, he used to run blogs that covered Google and Apple. Doesn't know anything about cars. But the site traffic to this blog itself, like, explodes. And he eventually ends up, like, on his blog, trashing a bunch of other electric car companies in order to promote Tesla. Um, One of the kind of, like, old school, one of the, like, original writers on the blog, this guy, John Jiven, which just really a complicated name there. I haven't heard that name in a long time. <laughs> anyway, John Jivin. <laughs> when I was in the East Village. He's promoting Tesla, the stock, like Tesla the ticker, on his popular account, StockTwits, which still exists. Um, and the editor-in-chief of this blog, this guy Fred Lambert, is also a moderator over at the Reddit Tesla Motors. And he's writing posts on Reddit promoting Tesla as an investment and over on another blog, a stock blog called Motley Fool. And this little ecosystem starts like popping up. And you know how, okay, Brace, you probably don't know about this, but our lady fans will will recognize this. Okay, then I better learn. Uh, You know about Skinny Tea? Uh, Oh, yeah. Yes, I know about Skinny Tea. (laughs) Actually, you know what's crazy? A lot of people say that skinny tea doesn't work, but skinny tea actually works really well. Oh I've had really positive experiences with skinny <laughs> okay, tea. Okay, ha ha. That's it's very helped funny. me lose a lot of weight, and it, honestly, it tastes good. And I don't even notice All that right. I'm hungry. You, what's the code, Brace? Say the code. Uh, uh, un- unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, the code is I'm racist because <laughs> the uh, I, I was kind of late to the spawn con game, <laughs> and most of the other codes were taken. Okay. It's all caps. Anyway, so this is, I mean, no, but you're, you know, that was very cute because it's true. Like that at the same time, this is what's happening like on the blogs. But <laughs> now imagine it for Tesla and not like a bunch of hot girls hawking detox or whatever tea. All right. I'm still I'm imagining the girls <laughs> doing that, but I, I understand what you're saying. 
In 2015, that guy Lambert gets sued for like creating a, an army of fake users at Reddit Tesla Motors. So there's like bot armies that they're using. Tesla Hasbro. Yeah, basically. And they're doing it because all these bloggers and like car influencers and Reddit guys and whatever are actually getting kickbacks from fucking Tesla. Well, it's crazy. When we were doing research for this for these episodes, I would like, you know, Google, you know, some kind of problem with Tesla, the autopilot stuff. I ran into this a lot. Uh, and I would get to what looked like a green car blog, you know, like an EV, you yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. a car review website. And then I would notice that these blogs are not like writing, it's not like journalism. They would literally just be arguing with anybody, like users on like the Tesla Motors, like, you know, Tesla Motor Club, like forums or Reddit and stuff. They would be writing blog posts to sort of respond to these people. And all of their other articles would be like, no, no, no other cars, electric cars. Are as good. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's sort of an astounding thing to just run into. Absolutely. I mean, and it exists, by the way, this exists across like all. I don't know, disciplines? I don't mean to say disciplines, but like in all subjects, you know what I yeah, mean? Honestly, like, it's this is just an incredible example of this ecosystem emerging, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, try saying, for instance, online that like, you know, braces lame or cringe or something, and then like 300 mentally ill 16-year-olds yeah. uh with a bunch of different flags or whatever in the bios will come and yell the same bullshit at you that they've been saying for like the past seven years. Yeah, that's why we bought Correct the Record. Exactly. The key difference here between our skinny tea comparison is that this is for Tesla, but for the stock price, right? Yeah. So this always comes back to the stock price. This this blog ecosystem, this kind of, that emerges in conjunction, basically with the the birth of online affiliate marketing, mm -hmm. exists solely to pump the stocks. Yeah. Um, the, they had a referral program, the bot, the blogs would push like referral codes, like braces, you know, get racist or what was it called? Yeah. Get get, it's a get racist <laughs> is, the, is the code. Type in get racist at, uh, actually check this one out at fitt.com slash, uh, Liz Franzak, uh, type in a referral code, get racist to be the exact kind of racist that Liz Franzak is. How do you like that one? Turn that That's one around. That's so again. mean. That's not true. You were being mean to me first. Anyways, yeah, these 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 car companies were getting, or the, excuse me, not car companies. These fucking bloggers were getting referral codes. Yeah, they get referral codes. They would get like a thousand dollars in Tesla discounts, or you know, allegedly like free supercharging, supercharging or whatever. Um, it was supposed to just be this like marketing tool for potential buyers, but like everything else, it like <laughs> becomes its own currency. For reporters and people who call themselves content creators, which, by the way, can we get a Liz sound right there? Within the kind of like Tesla PR ecosystem. So like you said, Brace, about coming across that blog, like the internet completely gets flooded with pro-Tesla propaganda and all these creators and their networks get compensated through these referral sales. And it sounds ridiculous. Like, I, I mean... Look, I think it sounds absolutely absurd to say like no one's buying a car like through a referral program. But, but like, dude, yes, 
Yes, they are. Like this program was wildly successful. At one point, that dude Lambert and that dude Weintraub each got free $200,000 next-gen roadsters. Like this thing is wildly successful. And it's not just the blogs. This is all over Twitter. YouTube became a huge place. Mm. Everyone freaking out about like Ben Shapiro, like YouTubes or whatever. No, you should be thinking about the Tesla YouTubes. Well, here's the thing. How come everyone's like, oh, we need to stop this influence on YouTube and this influence on YouTube, Elsa Gate and Ben Shapiro? How come nobody's saying what we're all thinking? Just how about you don't have YouTube anymore? Would the world be a worse place? Nobody. Of course it would. The world would be fine. Yeah, it would be You can fine. just shut down the whole website. Ridiculous. They should bring back Press TV and get rid of YouTube. Well, for every revolution, there's a counter-revolution. Mm-hmm. A thermidor, yeah. if you will. Or another faction of the Bath Party. Right. And at this point, we've got this massive kind of like ideological propaganda beast that is coinciding with really what it is, is like mass normie social media adoption. And it is all coalescing together, all kind of converging to pump this stock price and fuel uh, rise and grind affiliate marketing schemes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And um, like I said, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction, which means we have the birth of Tesla Q. So the thing with Tesla Q is, is that Elon Musk, in their view, is a pedophile no. who eats babies. <laughs> what where Tesla Q gets wrong is actually that's Kimball Musk that does that. <laughs> No, Tesla Q has nothing to do with QAnon. No, nothing. Nothing. Also, Tesla Q, to be real here, actually has a money symbol in the name. Yes. Because it's denoting the little Q they put after your name once, what, your company goes bankrupt or gets out of the stock market, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's when a when a stock ticker gets decommissioned, they put a Q at the end. And so the whole uh-huh. thing is like a nod to Tesla should be decommissioned because it's bankrupt fake company. Yeah. Right? Yes. So this all starts from this guy, Mark Spiegel. He's a 42-year-old Wall Street guy. Now, he starts writing posts, again, blogger, blog posts about Tesla on this investment site that's fantastic called Seeking Alpha. I don't need another look very far right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So this is in like 2013. Remember 2013, the big year for Tesla? Don't remember, honestly, much of anything from that year, but yeah. Spiegel noticed that the financials don't seem to support the share price. Which, I mean, you don't have to look that hard. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You look at it. It's right there. Makes no sense. I mean, listen, this is a money guy. This is a numbers guy. He's looking. Oh, yeah. Big numbers guy. And he's looking. And he's, you know, he basically writes a blog post. He takes out a small short position, which, remember, is when you kind of bet against the stock, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And he writes a series of posts detailing a bunch of the kind of like financial weirdness that he's finding in the accounting. And again, there's a bunch of it. Now, he uses the anonymous name Logical Thought. (laughs) All right. (laughs) That's cool. Which sounds like both a like mid 90s. This was a long time ago. And a like Ben Shapiro Insta hottie. Yeah, I'll be real with you. I've never met a logical thought in my life, mm, but yeah. Very funny. In 2014, the share price is a little over $200, and he takes out an even bigger short position, right? Now, this caught the ire 
of the Tesla Bull Network, which was much, much bigger than the little shorts. Now, when I say bull network, I mean those like fucking affiliate guys and the crazy bloggers. But remember, for every like one affiliate Rise and Grinder, there are like a billion followers of that Rise and Grinder who don't know yeah. that it's a Rise and Grind. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Or maybe they do and they think they can get a piece of it. I mean, it's Yeah, America. totally. Um, Jim Chanos, who's a famous short seller, he's the guy who kind of was like got famous for shorting Enron. I think it was Enron. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, quote, always a view that some short sellers are profiting off the misery of others. The fact of the matter is that short sellers are the only market force that have an incentive to ferret out fraud in real time. The regulators and law enforcement are the financial archaeologists finding out what happened well after the fact, and everybody's lost money. It's no coincidence that the Enron executives, Jeff Skilling and Ken Lay, used this defense that short sellers were in cahoots with financial journalists. This wasn't true then, and it isn't true now in the case of Tesla. And, you know, I I do want to be clear because, you know, remember when we did all those episodes or that one episode about GameStop, but it was a long episode, so it's kind of sounds like multiple episodes. Um. And everyone was saying, like, it, it, I mean, it was Elon, but it was also guys like um, Shamath and other fucking grifters. Portnoy. Yeah, yeah, involved. And they're saying, like, oh, short sellers are killing everything. This is us going to war with the shorts and blah, 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 and the hedgies and whatever. Like, it's all bullshit, man. Like, that's all bullshit. No CEO of any company that is, like, posting profits and legit and not engaging in Fonzie cream should not give a shit about short sellers. Yeah. Not the case yeah. with Tesla. <laughs> not not the case <laughs> with Tesla. Well, there's another guy that sort of pops up uh, around 2015 who's got another classic username. Um, and is also like a pretty good case study in how Elon starts dealing with his opponents because this happens with a bunch of whistleblowers around this time, which we don't even get into in this episode. Um, but let me just say, if you are going to tattletale on your conditions at Tesla, make sure that you, uh, you're you covering all your bases there yeah. um, in terms of security. But uh, like this guy home named, security. Uh, under the nom de plume, Montana Skeptic mm. starts posting criticism of Tesla at Seeking Alpha. He, this guy is not a professional short seller. He's just running some billionaire's family office. Uh, and you know, said after a little while, he did open up a small put position so that he had some skin in the game. Which Liz did uh, last week. <laughs> I didn't. I'm just kidding. She did not. No. Uh, anyways, this guy I'm is a pro. He did. No, I think. Can about we it. do that legally? I mean, we can do that, right? I'm just saying. I'm a comedian. Yeah, I'm disclosing. This is yeah. me. Hey, full disclosure. I thought about it. Uh-huh. That maybe if it reaches 700, I might take it as much position. Let me know what you're up to with that stuff. Just I'll saying. just do whatever you do. Okay. Anyways, so this guy writes hundreds of posts about Tesla, and he warns people, you know, fair enough, against shorting. Yeah. And he said, this is a really key point that he makes, is that the actual fundamentals, the market fundamentals uh, that you would usually use to see whether you should short something, invest in something, whatever, kind of don't apply to Tesla. Because Tesla has essentially an army of like, well, retail stock, but also now they have this army of like media and all this kind of stuff that that throws all of the regular rules out the window. Yeah. Like nothing makes sense. We're, we're you know it's 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 you know, up is down and this kind of thing. Anyways, this guy makes a mistake that many people have made and starts posting on Twitter. Yeah, you know, 
some criticism of Tesla, that kind of stuff, starts to kind of generate like a little network around him. You know, people kind of realize that they're not insane for seeing these very obvious, you know, shortcomings with Tesla and these, you know, this misleading things that Elon's saying, et cetera. And, uh, you know, he kind of creates this little community around him and, and Seeking Alpha also has this little community going up around him. And they are, you know, I don't know exactly when, but they 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 either they start referring to themselves as Tesla Q. Yeah, mostly because of Twitter. Like, so when you have a stock price ticker, you can click on it like a hashtag, and so mm-hmm. it was an easy way to kind of like organize all of the Tesla Q research that was happening and and kind of like generate a little and organize a little online community. I mean, it makes sense, you know. Yeah. Um, and when I say research, I mean real research. Like there, there's guys who, I mean, you know, one of the big guys, Machine Planet, he starts this thing called the Shorty Air Force, mm-hmm. which is very cute. Yeah, which is unfortunately, I would be rejected from joining that <laughs> due to my height, which is, by the way, five eleven, not five four. Who said it was five four? I said it on an earlier episode. Oh, you did. Yeah, As I think Joe? people believed me. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, I'm six one. Like, it's not like look at me. Oh, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Anyways, but no, these guys are flying drones over Tesla lots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Shorty Air Force are dr- not just drones, small planes. Yes. <laughs> these guys are taking like little Cessnas out and flying them over Tesla lots to do recon on inventory numbers of these like. 52 parking lots that Tesla owns across the country where there are literally just parked Teslas. Um, And the crazy thing is, this is actually part of the reason why the Saudi government didn't help uh, Elon take Tesla private is because they said that the Shorty Air Force kind of reminded them too much of (laughs) some dealings they'd had, uh, you know, in the past. Yeah. I guess Tesla's using these lots, they say, as staging grounds for delivery. Well, Machine Planet and his little Shorty Air Force is like, I don't know if I buy it. So he sees like that within the Tesla Q community, that car demand is this like big topic that Elon is going in the press and denying that there's a demand problem. There's no demand problem, whatever. And they're seeing stuff online and kind of like even in the pro Tesla forums, people are kind of like, you know, not feeling great about the cars. And, you know, we had mentioned a lot of this is when a lot of the kind of um, quality issues again, which we will get to in a moment putting a quarter in uh you know this is kind of popping up and so machine planet gets this idea he's like i want to check out what the hell is going on at these lots because if there's a demand problem are they just fucking storing the cars here or what the hell is going on there's one spot that's just like outside of stockton in an area that's literally called the dust bowl Uh uh-huh i had my first girlfriend lived in stockton really yeah, the daughter of the Muffin King. Oh, yeah, the Muffin King. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. So Machine Pl- Planet flies out to Stockton, and here's a quote. He says, this was the amazing moment when I realized the entire facility was packed with cars. He says that there's more than 3,000 cars at this, like, fucking Jesus. isolated lot. Yeah. He says this is, the entirely, this is entirely the moment when we went from kind of believing Elon about the demand and not being able to build enough cars to finding evidence that – the cars are either not sold or not saleable. And that's the thing. So the Shorty Air Force, which is thus born from these tweets, what they're trying to do is prove that Elon, like what Elon is saying in the press is totally fake and that either Tesla cannot, like they can't sell the cars or the cars themselves cannot be sold because of quality issues. Um, 
you know, he's like tweets in like July 2018 that's like, the Shorty Air Force can confirm thousands of cars at Lothrop photos tonight. It's all very cute. There's also the ground force, Shorty ground force, which is they mm-hmm. go over the cars, the vehicles at the factories. So you got the ground force and the Air Force. Yeah, I've actually uh, I, I was I was inducted as an officer into the Shorty Navy. Unfortunately, Tesla has not been doing a lot of uh, aquatic things. So, I mean, as you can maybe tell from the sound quality on this, I have been on a boat in the Aegean for the past four hundred and thirty five days. Uh, and yeah, you were really so, banking on that submarine mission to Thailand. Well, yeah, yes, I've been. I mean, I've been. I've been. Uh, I've been subsisting off of donations that I've gaslighted out of Truanon listeners. Oh my god! Uh, but uh, but but please, Elon, start manufacturing something on the water. LA Times did a profile on Tesla Q in 2019, um, and this is a quote from that. They say they believe that lots full of new Model Threes and Model Ss and Model X vehicles too show that Tesla has reached a cliff in demand for its vehicles when the rest of the world finally admits the company's days as a fast growth story are numbered. They say its stock price will crash, creating a bonanza for investors who have bet big that Tesla shares are grossly overvalued. So this stuff, I mean, the Tesla Q stuff, it's, you know, it's not, I wouldn't say it's minor, but it's not totally major, right? I mean, one of the big yeah. things they're taking their major aim at is the media, because there's basically wall-to-wall glowing coverage of Elon and Tesla. Um, Tesla Charts, who's another one of the big Twitter guys, you know, and he's a great follow, shouts to him if he's listening. Um, but he notes that like a lot of the guys in the Tesla Q community aren't actually like professional short sellers. Um, in fact, like most of them aren't at all because, you know, well, spoiler alert, you know, the sh- shorting Tesla is a very dangerous game. Shorting in general is very costly and expensive, which is why hedge, major hedge funds are really the only ones that do it. It's difficult. Even when you take out shorts as small put positions, as opposed to actually really shorting a stock, it is risky. You know, yeah, yeah, you can um, lose a lot really yeah. quickly. Yeah, and these guys, you know, a lot of the shorts, as will you know, as will show, like get burnt over and over and over again. Um, but so a lot of the Tesla Q guys like aren't actually professional short sellers. A lot of them are like engineers, guys in robotics, guys in the auto industry, guys in solar panel technology, like people who feel like personally attacked by the entire spectacle of Elon. Yeah, I mean, people who can see that, like, what this guy is saying is bullshit. And that's actually something that we've run into a lot, or at least I've run into a lot, just talking to random people who I know that have, like, some kind of, like, technical expertise or anything about this stuff, is that they'll point to something in, like, you know, Tesla's manufacturing or, you know, some of Elon's claims. And they'll be like, this is, like, patently absurd and an insane thing to say. Like, this is not true on any level. And it, they'll, you know, and they'll send me, like, a news article that repeats it basically uncritically. Absolutely. And I mean, that's like one of the other things that I really do want to credit the Tesla Q guys with is they're really the first guys, I mean, to start really, really start documenting the myriad of manufacturing and production issues with the fucking cars themselves. Yeah. And with that, dear listener, we have finally arrived. We need to talk about these cars. Yes. And so full disclosure, once again, uh, Liz and I have, um, well, I'm trying to think of a stock metaphor for this. Uh, how about this? Neither of us have invested into driving <laughs> ever. 
Uh, I'm short in, driving. In, yeah, I, I've been short. I might, might, I've been putting a heavy puts again, same word twice in a sentence, uh, heavy puts on learning how to drive my entire life. Never done it. Don't need to. I, I don't drink anymore. And so if I learn how to drive, people will make me give them rides home. That is an act, you know, that is actually, that's a good reason not to ever learn. Anyways, I do know one thing though. You know, wheels. Yeah. <laughs> like on cars, you know, they're like connected uh, to the bottom. Uh, well, not to the bottom, like the chassis, and they sort of spin, they make the car move. Uh, they're supposed to be on the car basically 100% of the time. Imagine if they weren't. <laughs> so in June 2019, one of the worst things ever in my life happened to somebody else. Um, the front wheel of an actor named Mito Masood who was in, I believe, uh, Aladdin, the live-action version. What? They did a live-action version of Aladdin? Yes, I've masturbated it hundreds of times. <laughs> <laughs> so the front wheel of Mina Masood's, I believe it's the front right wheel of Mina Masood's Model S, pops off right when he's changing lanes, the most pedophile street in the world, Hollywood Boulevard. And uh, and the car fucking crashes. I mean, you know, you, you need you need all four wheels to really get the full driving experience out of your car. I don't care what car you're driving, unless you're driving one of those weird tricycles that like guys in their 60s get yeah. to drive down to Santa Cruz. Or the editor of Current Affairs. Yes. Uh, his insurer... Does he have one? I'm talking about the motorcycle ones. That would be oh, insanely Oh, I was thinking funny. of the penny farthing. Like an actual tricycle? A penny far, Penny farthings only have two wheels in What's it. the one? What's the like... Isn't there a tricycle one with a big wheel? Is that for None babies? None of my business. It's yeah. For it's for big babies. Uh, anyways, so his insurer... Geico checks this motherfucker out and they're like, listen, your car suspension, it's dog shit. It's fucking awful. And it turns out that Mina Masood was not the only Tesla driver with this little problem. And that this problem, in fact, had a name. Liz, can you tell me the name? <laughs> it's Swampy Wheels. So the term is coined by a guy and a very colorful character named Keith Leach, which I don't blame him for changing his last name. He likes to be known as Keith Wivenef, Keith K E E F, like Keith Richards style Wivenef, which is which is W I V A N E F F. And this guy says, yeah, I think he's an Australian fella. Oh yeah, he is an Australian fella if memory serves. <laughs> So he got interested okay. in Tesla. Okay, I won't do it. He, he got interested in Tesla after like learning about you know some solar panels, crazy solar panel scam that was happening in Australia, and uh, and he you know he gets interested in electronic vehicle or electric electronic vehicles in electric vehicles, but he also is you know pretty wary of a lot of these green tech claims at this time. So he starts really looking into them, and he looks uh, at a lot of post crash pictures and at a lot of pictures of Teslas in junkyards. And he realizes that in like hundreds of these pictures of different cars, uh, there is a wheel that looks like it's snapped off of the usually front of the car, I believe. Uh, he starts sharing his findings on Tesla forums, immediately banned from all. <laughs> yeah. Like day all the Reddits, one, like Tesla motors, Tesla exactly. guy, whatever they're called. Yeah. They're like, sir, you are not pedophile enough to post here, sir. Yeah. Try being more uh, epic. Exactly. So he's again, he says he counted up to 200. And these are just pictures this guy has found, like kind of trawling around the internet of Cheslas in junkyards. With Wampies. He, with Wampies. With Wampies. Exactly. 200 with Sans Wheel. And he, you know, he starts writing to the, you know, to our old friends, the NHTSA. Mm -hmm. 
know, being like, listen, there is something wrong here. And Musk accuses him of being a short seller trying to dip the stock, I believe, in a repost to uh, Edward Niedermeyer wrote about it on Daily Kanban. Mm. And uh, and Musk, and or the Tesla blog, mm. which, by the way, is definitely Musk, responds and like in detail to but which basically amounts to a flicker album of wampy meals teslas and it's like these are sh- guys who are trying to short the company and destroy the company blah blah yeah. uh, so Trump-like keith actually does in this but it's with very trump like you know so keith one. actually does buy puts after that uh hoping that musk will also sue him in court so that he can prove it which is classic move of a guy who's right um partially proven right uh, China actually recalled a bunch of Teslas over suspension issues. Yeah. Niedermeyer's book actually has some really good stuff on this because you might be like, well, they never issued a recall. I've never really heard too much about this. Like, you know, maybe this is just like, you know, coincidence or there was some models that were a little fucked up. What, what Tesla would actually do about the Wampy Wheels problem is way more insidious. So, what they would do is they would send people who either complain that there's something wrong with their car suspension or took their cars in or sometimes just you know people who were you know, just driving or got into accidents because of it. They would say that there is a technical notice. In fact, some model – this is a quote – some Model S and X vehicles may have been manufactured with front suspensions for links that may not meet Tesla street <laughs> specifications. A lot of qualifications there. In the event of a link failure, the driver can still maintain control, but the tire may contact the wheel arch liner. Um, the reality is, is this is this is not the case. Your your wheel will, it's it's you know not a hundred percent chance of it, but your wheel could definitely just come off of your car. And so what Tesla would do is they would have the people who either had complaints about this or whose car this was happening to, they would have them bring their cars into a service center. They would say, oh, it's, this is not covered under warranty. The company would make you sign a goodwill agreement, which would cover the cost of the, fixing the car or maybe half of the cost of fixing it in return for you signing an NDA. And now Listeners, put your thinking caps on and think, if there is a problem with my car where the wheel could fall off, shouldn't I not sign an NDA about that and maybe actually tell like some kind of regulatory body about that? Um, you would be correct if you're thinking that. Uh, the NHTSA actually eventually had to tell Tesla to stop doing that. Yeah, it's because it's fucking insane. It's fucking insane. Your car's insane. wheels are falling off. They're wumpy. The wheels are wumpy. And- People deserve to know about the Wumpy Wheels. And the thing is, like, there, there maybe should have been a recall. We'll never know because we have n- absolutely no insight on any kind of reporting that would have happened if people had not had to sign NDAs about this. Uh, I mean, it's totally ridiculous. I mean, this is essentially a stealth recall yeah. because Elon doesn't want to fuck up the uh, the stock. Yeah, that's that's the bottom line. And I mean, that's the thing with these cars. Like, look, Brace went a little insane going into this stuff because I think what's been fun for me on my side in terms of like introducing this company to race and other people and like what I, it you slowly watch people go insane because the more and more you get into this it's like it's like Dante's Infernal it's like Wampy Wheels is one level and you go further down and you're like oh you can just burn inside of them and the car will lock you in 
Very, very true. In fact, that is an actual thing that can happen to you in your Tesla. And so Liz mentioned earlier a guy named Tesla Charge. He actually he actually has a great website called tesladeaths.com. I think it's him that runs it, uh, which is a very convenient source for finding out uh, how people died in their Teslas. But uh, but yeah, say you are sitting in your Tesla one day. You are you are playing The Witcher three and masturbating to the sex scenes, and uh, you're you're drinking a Coca Cola, and uh, then your car catches on fire um, because the battery's all fucked up. Uh. Because that can actually happen to you. And the thing is, is Tesla's cars famously have burst into flame. There are several images of those happening in like parking garages and in people's driveways. There's videos of people being like, what the fuck? Why is my car on fire? Yeah. Uh, that is due to a very complicated issue with the battery that does not happen to other electric vehicles. The other thing with Tesla though, is if that you crash your car, uh, there's a great chance that your car will, will catch the fuck on fire yeah, yeah, and yeah. burn and the thing is, is when your car loses power, well, those fancy little, you know, you know, door, not doorknobs, you know, fucking- uh, The door handles. Door handles. So the ones know, that, that retract that, in. Exactly. And they become flush with the, with the door, yes. which Elon, of course, thinks very cool looking. It's so cool. Well, uh, those might lock you in your car as you burn to death. In fact, that is rumored to have happened in one car crash. I think in 2019, I believe the victim's uh, mother eventually sued Tesla. I think that lawsuit is still ongoing, although don't quote me on that. Um, yeah, they uh, the way you put out Tesla fires too is like very complicated. Yeah, because it takes of a lithium. very long time. Yes. The lithium batteries. Of course, it takes it, hours and hours. They that's it's vexed many a fire department, in fact, because they show up to what they think is a car fire and if not properly trained or they're not they don't know that it's a Tesla immediately, they fucking pour water on it, which spoiler, don't pour water on a flaming lithium battery. It's not gonna do anything. You can only pour you can only pour water on it while it's not flaming. Yeah. Totally in order to cool to it down. Help it in a car show. I mean, that was the thing in that 2019 crash in Houston. That was like very, you know, there was a lot of very conflicting reports on it. There still are, you know, where the guy oh, was yeah, supposed the auto, to have been the, in the backseat, possibly autopilot one. Yeah. We still, I was going to say that is inconclusive because it was at first they said it was autopilot. The guy was in the backseat, and then it was claimed he was in the backseat and he didn't even have autopilot. And it turns out he did have autopilot. So I don't know. Anyways, you can, you know, this was the famous case of a car, a Tesla crashing uh, and then burning for hours and hours and hours and hours while the fire department could not put it out. Um, the funny thing about that is actually that Elon claimed he had the logs from the Tesla like before the fire was even out, which I don't really understand how that's possible at all. Teslas don't have like a black box or anything. Um, but yeah, I, that's the thing. If your car, if your Tesla slams into something with sufficient force, it will catch on fire and it will burn in a way that most fire departments, like the vast majority of fire departments, do not know how to put it. So speaking of putting out, Say that you're still in this Tesla and you're masturbating to the Witcher 3 sex scenes, but you're like, you know what? I'm driving. This is really difficult to do. I can't, it's like, there's too many different things I got to touch. It's, you know, it's, I got to play the game. I got to masturbate to the game. I got to drive in the car, all this kind of shit. You know what? I'm just going to hit this autopilot feature that Elon Musk told me about. Now, Liz, you, you don't like talking about this because it involves a lot of decapitations. 
Yeah, yeah, I don't like talking about this at all. I mean, it's upsetting, you know. It's it's one thing to be a fucking Fonzie cream, and it's another thing to build cars that are really dangerous that, like, many, many people with kids drive in every day. So there is obviously, you know, sort of an emerging market of, uh, you know, self-driving vehicles. I mean, self-driving vehicles have, like, long been sort of a tech dream. There's actually five different levels of autonomous driving uh, you know, one, which is basically no autonomous driving up to five, which is basically full robotic driving, yeah. um, which which is pretty important for kind of how we deal with this. So up until 2016, Tesla was using a system, a, an, an autopilot system, and the language around this changes drastically from year <laughs> to year. And so forgive me if I say something that sounds a little different in a second, because it all means essentially the same thing. So up until 2016, Tesla was using a system developed by the Israeli company Mobileye for their autopilot. This thing's called Tesla Driver Assistant, and it, it, you know, it, to their credit, it's actually pretty it's it's pretty advanced for for the time, right? Like Mobileye was pretty good at building this kind of thing. Uh, in fact, that's the only reason I didn't get a Tesla in 2016 was due to BDS uh, type. Uh, but now that that's over, things yeah, now that's over. I have several. Um, and you know, an important thing happens in 2016 that causes Mobileye and Tesla to part ways. Uh, in there was in Florida a car crash where a guy named Joshua Brown had just turned on cruise control, 74 miles per hour, two minutes, and, and autopilot or assisted driving about two minutes before impacting the back of a semi trailer, which sheared the top off of Joshua Brown uh, and off of his car. So it decapitated him. Uh, the car kept rolling and kept playing Harry Potter, which he was watching on his uh, Tesla's little computer screen for about half a mile until it hit, I believe, a telephone pole, uh, which is a horrific fucking image. Uh, Tesla is actually exonerated by the NHST because uh, Joshua Brown should have noticed. And this comes up, I'd like to put a little asterisk in that too, because the way the blame, the apportionment of blame for autopilot deaths is a very, very, very lopsided system. Anyways, Mobileye basically immediately ends their relationship with Tesla after this. Uh, it seems like it's amicable at first, but amicable at first, but eventually it comes out that. Mobileye had some pretty fucking serious concerns about Tesla's handling of the safety of, of autopilot and basically of the rollout of this thing or you know assisted driving. Because here's the thing, is that Elon Musk is so high in his own bullshit all the time that he isn't actually saying this is, like this system is what it is. Because what, I, what, it, what it basically is, is like it's a way to assist you driving. Like you're always supposed to be paying attention. Your hands are supposed to be on the wheel. Like you're basically driving with a little bit of assistance from your car. But the way Elon Musk talks about this is that it's essentially self-driving. Yes. That's a very important thing because Tesla's like, you know, Tesla's actual like you know press around this or like the, the technical specs around this you know are not are not very clear but they're a lot clearer than Elon Musk is you know they tell you what you're supposed to use it for they're like you know don't take your hands off the steering wheel but when Elon Musk demonstrates these systems or talks about these systems it's it's the most clearest wink wink nudge nudge in the world that this technology is advanced enough that you yes. can take your hands off the wheel and and have it basically drive for you yeah i mean he does that at presentations so right after Mobileye quits working with Tesla, Elon essentially, I mean, his whole thing is he blames it like, oh, we're actually you know, inventing our own even better software. That's why they quit because they didn't like the competition. Not true. And he starts really ramping up the autopilot claim. And here's the thing about autopilot is 
first of all, pilots, the bums, they can just put their planes on autopilot and it really will basically autopilot the plane. Mm. You know, I mean, those guys, they're not doing shit up there. I mean, that's why they're all so impressed by the 9-11 hijackers because those guys actually flew the goddamn planes. <laughs> uh, okay. Nobody else ever does that. <laughs> um, but but within like outside of of airplanes, the word kind of doesn't really have a fixed definition, right? So mm. it's like autopilot is whatever uh, we're doing, you know, according to Elon Musk. And uh, so he starts using it in a bunch of different contexts because autopilot either means that your car can help you drive a little bit or, as he says, your car will, within a couple of years, be able to drive by itself, unassisted, even from a summons from your key, from New York to Los Angeles. Which is fucking ridiculous. Not true. Absolutely. If I saw, if I was in, uh, you know, Columbus, Ohio, and I saw a fucking Tesla without anybody in it driving past me, I would simply pull out an RPG seven and shoot it. <laughs> I mean, it's. I want to say too, like, you know, it's not just that he says these wild claims, and then the press doesn't follow up on it, which is true, and that he continues to say these wild claims, and the press still doesn't follow up on it, which is true. And that Tesla is a publicly traded company. And so when he makes these wild claims that are not true, that he's in literally, I mean, that's securities fraud, which is true. But also that like, this shit is killing people. Because yeah. people fucking believe what they read, which is that Tesla has autopilot that you can put on Harry Potter and drive from New York City to California without getting your head fucking cut off. And they're wrong. They're wrong. Well that's the thing is Joshua Brown actually, the, you know, the original decapitation guy had actually reposted some some image or excuse me, some videos of Elon Musk talking about these sort of fantastical things that you could do with autopilot just a few months before he turned it on and had himself decapitated. I mean, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. And like, there are like so many cases like that. There's this guy, this Apple engineer, Walter Huang, who's like a huge fucking Tesla fan. Like he was posting on his Facebook, like, I'm so excited to buy a Tesla. He's taking photos of himself, right, in front of the car. Like, he gets this big job at Apple. He gets a new engineer salary. And, like, the first thing he does is buy a Tesla. And his he's fucking driving his car to work one day down to Apple headquarters in Cupertino. And the fucking Tesla veers into a barrier on the freeway. <laughs> killed. Yeah. A barrier, by the way, that he kept, he had brought his car into the Tesla dealership a bunch of different times and said, my car keeps veering towards this barrier. And they were like, you know, actually, we can't replicate the problem. So there's nothing for us to fix. I mean, the thing is, is Tesla's uh, technology, their autopilot, their self driving, whatever, keeps like getting ramped up more and more in the way that Elon's talking about it. And then suddenly in 2019, I, that basically stops. And they start saying in their SEC filings that that won't, it might not work at all. Yeah, of course, this doesn't really get reported on. Plainsight has done a lot of the combing through of a lot of the SEC filings and a lot of the, like, you know, they all go through all the crazy 10Ks and are looking at all the things the company is, um, you know, announcing that, again, does not get reported by the kind of captured auto media and the captured tech press and i'm sorry but they are and they do not report on this company whatsoever but like people are dying from yeah. in these cars and like a lot of fucking people and it's a real problem yeah. it's a real fucking problem well and and that's the thing is that tesla's self-driving capabilities at that the the ones that it has today are actually far beyond or excuse me far beyond like behind 
Waymo and all of these other self-driving car companies that use this different technology, LiDAR. It's too complicated for us to get into here. But Tesla's self-driving stuff is is all pure hype and bullshit. Like It is not advanced. It just has a fancy looking computer screen. It basically just uses a fucking camera. And the thing is, too, is we actually don't know the full statistics on uh, Tesla autopilot crashes either, the non-fatal ones, because the deal with reporting an autopilot crash or a self-driving crash is if your car is steering you into, say, like a brick wall and you place your foot on the brake at the last second, that's actually you that was in control of the car at that moment. So it's a little loophole mm. there in order to get out of actually fully reporting this. So we have no idea, essentially, how this is. It also functions, by the way, as a DLC, which is the most annoying thing about Tesla for me, is that you actually have to pay $10,000 to download this technology. And there's like more advanced <laughs> technology that you can pay for right now, but it isn't even like available or possibly even oh, created yet. And so you, funny pyramid. My friend exactly. Just you just pay for it. Maybe you hope that it comes out someday, even though it probably won't, at least not the, the car's a scam. The, it's a fucking scam. And there's a lot more that we could get into here. I mean, the self-driving stuff alone, you know, at one point he was saying that there'd be a robot taxi fleet that yeah, you could yeah. just, you know, you could take a loan out to buy your Tesla. That bumped the stock and, price up. Exactly. And total bullshit. It's fucking vapor. Well, you know, you try to grab onto it, it's like grabbing onto smoke. Well, you know what would crash the talk the stock price? A fucking recall. Yes. And that's the key. Like, you know, it's not I will say too, like, okay, dangers aside, like, I mean, the Tesla Q reports on the quality issues of these cars are crazy. Like we mentioned the panels that are misaligned. That still happens like in 2021. People get yeah. these <laughs> I mean, you're paying like that much fucking money for a car and the panels are literally misaligned. Like where there's, there was one I saw that's so great on the YouTube, you can search for it, although it's buried in the algorithm, but, um, where like a guy's driving through, driving his Tesla through a car wash and the water from the car wash just goes through the fucking windshield (sighs) because the panels are misaligned. So there's a gap. So the water just fucking goes in the car. The paint yeah. peels, like the there's oh there's chips, like stuff is like glued on. People get cars I mean, delivered is- with like lights not in, and this is like fucking ridiculous. This does not happen with real car companies. This is what happens when you make cars in a fucking tent. <laughs> well, let's fast forward a little bit. 2018 is maybe the craziest year for Tesla and for Elon. I mean, he even at one point tells Axios that Tesla's on the verge of bankruptcy, which, by the way, they never disclosed that to anyone. (laughs) Well, here's the thing, too, about this whole series of episodes that we're doing, is that I would like for us to be sort of like doing like a retrospective on this crazy car company by this megalomaniacal, like fucking, you know, piece of shit, blah, blah, and about how the rise and the fall of Tesla. But 2018 is really where the rise becomes like a, well, I don't want to say permanent, but a skyrocket mm. rise. And like this is where, unfortunately, the bad guy at least temporarily wins. Absolutely. Elon actually seems to maybe lose his mind this year, I got to say. Um, he goes to like, he goes into a crazy war with the short sellers. Mm-hmm. Um, why? Well, one, he's a megalomaniac, like you said. Uh, but crucially, and this is key, at the end of um, 2018, 
2018, November 2018, I think, to be specific, there is a convertible debt round that is coming due. Now, remember when we talked about this, we said that one of the ways that they raise capital is they issue bonds. And they issue these bonds, people buy them, and it's a great deal because you either are going to get you know, paid interest by Tesla on the bonds, on the debt that you owe, that you, that you own, or it's going to convert to equity if mm-hmm. the share price hits a target. Now, yeah. in November, there's a $200 million convertible re- uh, debt round that is coming due. And if the shares don't hit a certain price, Tesla's going to owe a shit ton of money to a lot of bondholders that it sounds like they didn't have. Because again, Elon said they were on the verge of bankruptcy yet again. So so basically the 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 debtors come calling, right? Like you better have it, you better cough up. And if you don't have it, something bad is probably going to happen to your company. Yes. Now there's another reason why Elon is after the shorts is that he's personally tied up in Tesla stock. Now this is kind of crucial, but it is unclear at the time how much Elon has personally outstanding. Yeah. But I'm talking personal loans. As of 2017, and this is disclosed. I mean, this is not like, you know, someone said this is reported on. I mean, that this is in the 10K. They have to file this. In 2017, he had about $624 million out in personal loans. All of that is collateralized with Tesla stock. Now, were the stock to drop, you know, it, he could face a margin call. It could trigger a huge margin call on a lot of fucking money where he has to pony up in order to keep those loans. Um, you know, after 2017, it's reported that he takes out like $101 million for the boring company. He takes out another $100 million in loans for SpaceX. He's owing the SEC, which we'll get to, like $20 million in fines. You know, there's other undisclosed amounts. Uh, by the end of 2018, he's mortgaged five of his properties. So I think it's pretty clear that he's not what you would call liquid at this moment, mm-hmm. if he ever was. Well, I'm related. I can relate to that. <laughs> And so this year, he like, like I said, he kind of loses his fucking mind. Yeah, he goes bananas, bonkers. Yeah, absolutely. And he goes to war with the guys from Tesla Q, and he goes fucking all out. What's funny is that at the beginning of 2018, is that it's actually pretty good for him. Um, even though they open 2018 missing Model 3 deliveries by like a little over 4,000 cars, like they're literally only capable of delivering 1,500 cars in 2018. That's not that long ago. Mm-hmm. The stock jumps. <laughs> and this is like so, this should be familiar now, but is so infuriating. Like Tesla's stock will jump on bad news. Yeah. It surged like 12% in January and it burned these short sellers like a billion dollars. Like the shorts are getting burned. Um, and at this point, like a lot of people are shorting Tesla. Short interest in the stock is like 23.5% afloat or about like 10.8 billion at the time, um, which is a lot. You know, there's like the media cycle. If you go back and look at some of the news stuff, like people are starting to question what's going on with Tesla. Like people are paying attention, you know? times are different. Tesla at this point is behind on production. It's losing money. And it has that deadline looming, like I said, the convertible debt bonds. 
things are bad for this company, it's paying old debts with new debts, and it's diluting shares through debt conversions. And it's got that November deadline, $230 million of convertible debt will reach maturity, meaning the bill is coming due. It will, however, convert to equity at a minimum conversion price of $423 per share. Okay? Mm, the sex number. Yes. Now, if you're in this situation and you're Tesla, now remember, you got all these little plates spinning, right? You've got convertible debt over here and you've got pumping the stock price over here and people can't see it, but I'm like, I'm not twirling my fingers to mimic plate spinning. Mm -hmm. What would you do if you're Tesla and you need to raise capital and you need to raise capital quick? Uh, well, personally, I know they don't do this till later, but I would go to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Well, you're right. They don't do that until later. Right now, what they do is they announce they're securitizing their lease payments. What does that mean? <laughs> if your eyes aren't bugging now, just wait. So this is the auto securitization market. So Tesla needs cash, inf cash infusions, and it needs them fast. So literally what they say is like, fuck it. We're now issuing bonds backed by the lease payments on the cars themselves. Uh -huh. So it's going to rely heavily on lease payments that are tied to the Model S. Um, I mean, what this is, you know, it's not just me that's bugging out or the Tesla Q people that's bugging out. Like FT is reporting on this in January and saying, like, should anything go wrong with the Model S re requiring Tesla to recall cars, investors are going to take a hit. Because all these bonds that they're issuing are backed by people paying the lease payments on the cars themselves. Now, Brace, do you remember the mortgage-backed securities? Yeah, and yeah, are, I made out like a bandit. Yeah, so there's securities that are backed by people paying their mortgage. Now, what happens if people stop paying their mortgage? Securities are worthless. Yeah, no money. Absolutely. So imagine, for instance, if for some reason people were to stop paying lease stop paying the tesla lease payments that they owe or mm -hmm. for example if tesla were to face a recall for say some wheels that go wumpy or mm -hmm. perhaps a car that takes off your head or let's say i don't know something that uh the doors lock and trap you inside as the car's on flames for four hours yeah yeah exactly so they can't recall under any circumstances basically because that would i mean if someone has a, if your bond, whatever, is backed by a lease and someone's car is recalled, they are no longer paying the lease on that car and boom. Exactly. Moody's has pre previously highlighted too that there was increased for increased risk for electric car makers going into this securitization market because of the greater uncertainty surrounding the resale value of electric cars. Now, we also don't have enough time because we're absolutely going long in this entire series um, to get into the Carvana with Carvana, I will say scam, that is part of this. Mm -hmm. But if you're ever wondering why resale values for Teslas are sometimes even higher than retail values, I point you towards Carvana. Strangely, at the same time that this is happening in 2018, Tesla also announces an insane, insane new pay package for Elon. Elon, I swear to God, this is true, you guys. Elon will not get paid unless the company's stock rises. 
Um, this basically chains Elon's personal wealth to, quote, that of his shareholders, but literally to the stock price. Um, he gets no salary. He gets no bonus. He gets a 10-year grant of stock options that vests in 12 tranches. Oh, there's that word again. They're linked to market capitalization in $50 billion increments. It starts at $100 billion, up until the company is worth $650 billion which would basically put it on par with Apple or Google, right? Remember that number, $650 yes, billion. that's insane. Yeah. I mean, Tesla makes like four cars a year. <laughs> yeah. Literally that same year, it made 4,000 Model Ss. Yeah. It's fucking inferior. Okay. This new pay plan, would est they estimate would add about $55.8 billion to Elon's already estimated $21.5 billion net worth. I want to emphasize worth because, again, mm -hmm. it's unclear if my man is liquid. Yes, I, which is, you know, fair enough. But this fair is enough. the key. You always got to keep him guessing. This is the total key. I mean, this is the total key. Like, Elon only gets paid if the company succeeds in long term yeah. with significant gains in market capitalization. So, like, even once these shares vest, he still has to uh, hold them for an additional five years before he's allowed to sell them. And that's to stop yeah. them from like tanking the stock price, right? By selling a massive amounts of shares. Okay, fine. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a slave to the stock. This makes growing the stock the primary motivator for the company. Not cars, not safety, not consumers, not products, not technology, not green anything. The stock. That's it. That's the whole show. And mm -hmm. you can argue, like others have, that that is every company. And maybe it is. But this makes it explicit. That this yeah. is literally the only thing that Tesla cares. I mean, this is their only incentive, right? Just to pump the stock. Because of the how stock. the company is even structured, right? Yeah. And this is what, I mean, this is a real change. You know, the cars are now a byproduct or a necessary byproduct of the stock price. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he needs to get this. I mean, he needs to not only save the company, but he needs to basically save his own personal wealth. Yeah. And I mean, he really needs to save his own personal wealth because he's borrowing against his shares in order to pay his personal expenses. I mean, you got to respect the guy in, for a little bit for just how much he doubles down in this year. <laughs> he fucking doubles down. He like doubles, like full Monty, double down, double down. It's a quadruple down. Um. He even enlists, I think he enlists, his friend, our friend of the pod, Kathy Wood of ARC Investment. She goes on CNBC in a familiar dance telling people that Tesla will be a $4,000 stock. <laughs> she says, if we are right, this stock uh, in our models is going to $4,000. And if we are wrong, our bear case is $600. <laughs> It's quite a big spread. Um, yes. By the way, that $4,000 price per share would put Tesla at about... Dun, 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 $650 billion. Mm. Now, for those who have listened to our ARC episode, I mean, they should know Tesla is one of Kathy's biggest holdings. Um, and she, she loves Tesla. She thinks Elon's like a genius. Yeah. I mean, she literally goes on TV um, singing the praise of Tesla and pumping the stock pretty much more than anything. I mean, this is like, you know, for anyone who turns on CNBC or Bloomberg, like you will know this woman's face. Most likely you're not listening to this podcast, but, you know, it's okay. Um, unfortunately, at this time, there's this, like, major car YouTuber that goes 
totally viral for criticizing the build on the Model 3. And they he like tears down the car. It's a crazy video. Tears down the car and compares it next to the build of a 90s Kia, which like I don't really know anything about, but that sounds bad. <laughs> it does not sound like a good uh, comparison. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, this is literally a direct quote from him. He says, I can't imagine how they released this. Um, but it's kind of sad because I think he's like these like YouTube guys, they're actually like kind of baffled by the whole thing because they I think they like really believe in this. And you can watch this video on Jalopnik. Like it is this, it feels like it's gonna be this like aha moment. It feels like things are turning. But all that's very weird because at this moment, Elon is announcing that Tesla will sell one million Model Ys, which by the way, are still like under development. Yeah, there's no Model Y yet. No, it, they've never been introduced. He also says they're they're producing an electric trailer called the Tesla Semi. Mm-hmm. Not sure what happened to that, but they got huge contracts from FedEx and UPS, by the way. Uh, still doesn't exist. The press, like I said, is starting to take note at this point. There's headlines in March, like the Wall Street Journal is like, Tesla's make or break moment, fast approaching. The New York Times is like looking into it. They're saying like, you know, it looks like they're starting to figure out, you know, is this even a company? Does it have an off-ramp? You know, Washington Post is reporting on them. Um, if you go back and listen to some of the short guys at this time, like everyone is feeling very, very confident that Tesla's going to fall. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is really, really different at this point. It, it looks like, and in 2018, I can remember this pretty, pretty vividly. Like people thought, like this is kind of it for Tesla. Like it's reached the end of the. There's no more runway left for it. Absolutely, they announced some goal of meeting production. I think it's like 5,000 Model Threes a week by June. And it was, I think that that goal was critical for them to do in order to not need to raise more cash to keep the company afloat, right? Yeah. So, because it's burning too much cash otherwise. It had to, but it it literally, I mean, it couldn't make 4,000 cars in a month. There's no way it can make 5,000 cars in a week, right? Yeah. I mean, this is when all the crazy shit at the factory starts popping up too, like the tents and shit. Absolutely. Um, the investors here, like they have all this like crazy math that they do trying to figure out how distressed a company is. And at this moment, Tesla's at its lowest point in any quarter in the company's history, which is crazy because if you've been listening to this the entire time, we've mentioned like three or four times when the company is quite literally, it's on the verge of bankruptcy. Yeah. <laughs> this is the lowest point in its company's history. It needed to raise like $2 billion in order to finance operations. It has that $200 million in convertible debt bonds due in November. It has another $900 million of those due in 2019. And it is like completely unclear what's going to happen. Musk is still the biggest shareholder at this time, but this is when big guys start leaving. Like Toyoyo sold all its shares the previous summer. All these other private investment firms are selling its stake. And now executives are fucking leaving. And I mean like a lot of executives. And by the end of like 2018, it's like 43 executive departures, which is not normal. Yeah. My question here is, do companies even have 43 executives? (laughs) I mean, they didn't by the end of 2018. That seems like a lot. It is a lot, but it's like, I mean, it's like 
you know, the guys that are leaving are not people you want to leave. It's chief accounting officer and the treasurer and the VP of finance and the CFO. I mean, it was like the lead engineer of autopilot leaves. Like it's a fucking bloodbath. I get that one. You don't want any blood in your hand. (laughs) Yeah. And finally, finally, there's like a little bit of respite and the stock suffers. Um, there's the like largest monthly decline in like seven years. And analysts are actually on fucking TV, actually doing their job and questioning the insane valuation of this company and like what the hell is going on. Like, like you said, like people start being really convinced that the show might be over. Um Time magazine had a piece that was like, Elon at Musk has lost 17% of his personal worth. Like they're questioning if this guy is even rich. Like it feels like the walls are closing in. Well, especially that, right? Because Elon Musk's fortunes are so closely tied to Tesla. I mean, I think that's why people think he's rich is because of Tesla. And so if he's no longer rich, that must mean Tesla's not doing well. Absolutely. And vice versa. Yeah. And it's like at the end of this month that they have to recall like 100,000 cars. This is the third time that they recall the Model S, but this is like the biggest recall in the fucking in their history. And he <laughs> I mean, you see the real song and dance come out. He goes on national television and says that he's sleeping at the factory. Mm. Uh, that's a lie. <laughs> no, I mean, he like literally goes on the fucking like CBS morning show and talks to like Gail or whatever. And it's like, I'm at the factory. It's cold. I sleep on the floor. I hate it. But I got to make sure Model 3 production is on time. Because remember what I said, they need that cash flow. They can't raise any more debt. They got to like escape converting these bonds, right? I mean, the crazy thing too is that like if you're working at Tesla, like just as a factory worker, you're also having to work like Elon Musk ass hours (laughs) of like 12 hours a day. Yeah, dude. Six shifts a week kind of shit. Dude, he's like going crazy. There's He's the white Jack Ma. (laughs) There's like Bloomberg comes out with all these reports that's like Tesla's going to run out of cash. They, you know, they're burning through $7,500 a minute. Like they'll just actually run out of cash. Um, And so they're trying to like raise money through selling stock. They're issuing more convertible bonds. They've got these securitized leases and they're like floating all these junk bonds, but they just like can't stay fucking liquid. May earnings come around. Tesla, worst quarter loss in history. June, it cuts 9% of the workforce, which is like its biggest job cut in history. The stock surges. Again, Why? it rallies almost 17%. It makes no fucking that sense. Make any sense. It makes no sense. Elon pours more of his own money into the company and the shorts lose another $2 billion. It makes no sense. The LA Times reports at that time that Tesla is scrambling to find sources of revenue and ways to boost its earnings, that it starts selling the fucking ZEV tax credits to casinos. Wait, what? Yes. Tesla Motors sells government regulatory credits to casinos because apparently, and I swear to God, this is fucking true. Apparently, casinos can use the credits to offset their gambling taxes. Wow. Well, <laughs> another thing too is that like at one point, uh, there are rumors, which I find credible, that uh, uh, the Nevada factory, the one outside of Reno, um, might have been selling just factor uh, copper wire from 
you know, the own its own factory. Yes. So like literally stripping his own factory of copper wire and selling. What's funny is that they said they said that in like some of that reporting that people at the factory were like begging Tesla to look into it, and Tesla like like corporate Tesla's like, no, we're good. <laughs> Also, might have been a meth lab there, which if Tesla was selling some ice in Nevada oh to fund God. the, uh, I mean, uh, respect for that. Dude, it's crazy. By June, so, but, I mean, it really was selling tax credits to casinos, which it sounds insane that, by the way, that casinos can offset gambling taxes with fucking <laughs> emissions credit. That's incredible. What a fucking insanely regarded system we have. Um, Green New Deal. <laughs> yeah. By June, it sold like 130 million of these tax credits to casinos, but it had booked like 163 million in planned sell sales for these credits. So it books those on its books to like, you know, whatever. Elon comes out and is like, oh, it looks like Tesla's gonna be profitable later this year, which is like fucking, are you fucking kidding me, dude? Like, this is mind-numbing. Um he calls in and has Tesla require all the Model 3 reservation holders to pay more to fulfill their order. <laughs> Well, which is funny because that's very similar to something that he swore Tesla was never due before. I mean, just a few yeah, years Yeah, and he does this all the fucking time. They, this is how they do it. They pull cash forward because they need money. They literally need money to keep the lights on. This is what they do. And like you said, they open this fucking production tent. And this is totally insane. And I mean, this literally, it's literally a tent. It, it's an outdoor yeah, it's a tent. fucking assembly line. It's like the size of two football fields because Musk is now six days away from hitting that 5,000 production Model 3 a week goal that he set for the company. And remember, he has to set, he has to hit this. Like he has to fucking hit that number because the company has no money. The company has no money, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they open this fucking tent he he calls it pretty sweet, which is so fucking annoying. And like literally every expert in manufacturing says it's a disaster. Like nuts. Yeah, it's a tent it's factory. A fucking- if that worked, then there would only be tent factories. Yeah, dude. It's like it's literally a blue tarp in the middle of Fremont. And there's like an actual quote from like some manufacturing guy that just says, words fail me like there's like cobbled together scraps just like lying around the plant they put this together this is like weird hail mary move because all the automated equipment that they invested so much in and by the way got crazy press on in one of like elon's big things all that shit is totally bunk and so they make these like ramshackle like favela manufacturing hubs that like outside to push these like fucking $5,000 a week production goals in order just to make sure that the lights in the factory can stay on. It's fucking insane. And you mentioned that whistleblower earlier. Uh, You know, there's one of the guys, Martin Tripp, he was like a 40 year old assembly worker at the Giga factory in Nevada. And he, you know, was leaking information to the press that like Tesla's burning through 150 million and all these like inefficient equipment, like that automated equipment. Uh, And that there was like just giant piles of scrap metal all over the factory. Elon fucking freaks out. He emails all the employees. He calls it sabotage. He's like, it seems like he's becoming increasingly like 
unhinged and paranoid. Um, and he like starts connecting Martin Tripp's leaks to Business Insider, to the short sellers, to the gas companies. And he's like, all oh, these people are conspiring to bring down Tesla, blah, blah, blah. I mean, he seems like he's luck- like fucking losing his mind. Well, I mean that it's it's pretty similar too to what he does to Montana Skeptic later that year too. I mean the Tesla Q guy that we mentioned earlier, and so it turns out that like we said, he's a money manager for like a billionaire, like a billionaire's family office. Uh, and at one point, Elon personally, after like right after Montana Skeptic gets outed by some quote Elon fans or maybe a you know a, again, this is not based on anything except for you know common sense probably some kind of intelligence thing that Elon put together or a security thing to dox him. Elon takes that dox and calls the guy's office, like literally calls the dude's work. In 2018, Elon Musk is doing this and is saying that he's not very happy about this. And it's like, he's connecting it to all these like oil and gas investments that, you know, the, uh, the, the family office has, which would be insane that like, if you're like running this guy's family office to like, be like, obsessively working on a blog about Tesla in order to boost your oil and gas investments. It makes zero sense. Why wouldn't you just invest in Tesla? Um, But yeah, so he calls the fucking dude's work. I mean, that's an insane thing to do if you're a billionaire. I mean, at the same time, Tesla's PR team sends out emails with the dude to the media with the dude's fucking name, encourages reporters to call a guy's boss. I mean, they put his boss's fucking number in the press thing. And so, you know, the dude, Montana Skeptic is real name is actually Lawrence Fossey. He actually has to just get out of the game. He fucking is yeah. like, you know what? I can't bring my work into this. I'm out. And so like, I mean, it's pretty clear cut and dry of Elon Musk personally intimidating a critic in 2018. I mean, again, this is three years ago out of any sort of criticism of Tesla. In fact, just getting him out of the criticism business entirely. What's funny is that like, ironically, that leads to Tesla Q gaining way more prominent, like prominence than before. And like at that time, I think Montana Skeptic had like less than 5,000 Twitter followers. Like these are not, this was not big, but it was like, it was like lodged in Elon's brain. And I mean, that year, like he announced on Twitter in May of that year, in May, 2018, he says, oh, uh, the short burn of the century coming soon. Flamethrowers should arrive just in time. And uh, like I said, he goes to war with these short guys. He fucking loses it. And this is a pattern, you know? I mean, he contacts Montana Skeptic's boss just four days after a bunch of shorty Air Force photos are posted of the Tesla lots. Like, my dude is online, like, obsessed with this. Um, And then August 7th, he issues the infamous 420 tweet. And he says, I'm considering taking Tesla private 420 funding secured. And this was after there was this bunk report about the Saudi interests, like taking the company private. Um, and you know, this really does actually burn a shit ton of the shorts. Um, because when he says taking the company private, the stock price fucking bounces up. Yeah. Huge surge, 13% right after he tweeted. And it's this kind of like double pump that fucked the shorts. They lose about like 1.3 1.3 billion. But what's crazy is that bull investors also got burned because the deal was not real. Classic Elon. Thanks. Yeah. His Twitter posting peaks in June about 2018. He's posting like 86 times a day. 
Oh yeah, he's going. He's 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 taking some of Grimes' Adderall. Yeah, he's going fucking nuts. I mean, the SEC charges him with fraud over this tweeting in September 2018. Like people think the show's over. No deal existed to take the company private. He's under like SEC investigation for fraud. Seems like a fucking airtight case. As mm-hmm. a part of the suit, the SEC asked Tesla to remove Musk and ban him from running a public company. Yeah, they said they said too that he had to have a committee that would approve his social media posts. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. But then what happens? Classic Elon, the SEC fucking settles with him, allowing him to stay on as CEO as part of the agreement. Yep. They pay like forty million, settle the case. You know, he like has to give up being chairman for three, but it doesn't mean anything. He controls the board, yeah. It and mean it's shit. crazy. It's totally nuts because it was like an airtight case of fraud, like. Look, I wasn't a Tesla short guy in 2018. If I was, I'd be fucking losing my mind because it's like you're looking at reality and it's one thing and literally every like the complete and total opposite is happening. Yeah, I mean, it's illegal to like to be clear like to to put you know, a fine point on it. It's it's illegal to do what Elon did. You can't just lie about your company in order to to pump the stock. And he <laughs> did, and there was essentially, I mean, 40 million dollars, you know, you know, if for pumping the stock that much, it's really not that it's not that big a deal. You know what I mean? Like that's payable. Right. I mean, it is it's mind numbing. I mean, this rounded out a big year for Elon, the big crazy year. You know, this is when the pedo guy incident happens. This is when he fucking goes on Rogan and smokes weed and becomes a meme. Mm-hmm. But like, did it inhale, right? I didn't watch the whole thing. I it think looks he like did. It's so annoying. I didn't watch a single second of it. There's, of course, all the Azealia Banks, uh, you know, Instagram posting. There's, you know, she claimed that he was like on acid when he made the funding secured tweet, which some have alleged, by the way, I want to say that he knew what he was doing as the last ditch to when he issued that tweet, funding secured, 420, knowing it would pump the stock. That he did it on drugs as plausible deniability in case the SEC charged him with fraud. No, that's I don't how know fucking about twisted that. this dude's mind is. That would be that would be really smart. Uh, I don't know about that. I do know from several reports who are from just friends of friends who have met Elon Musk. Uh, you know, he likes to. Uh, well, he shares in some of his brother's predilections towards. Uh, <laughs> Uh, supporting, let's say, say he supports sex workers, um, and uh, and he does a lot of drugs. My man gets fucked up like constantly, and like rich guy, weird like research chemical kind of shit. Yeah, too. like stuff that we don't know the name of, or it doesn't have yeah. a name because it's just like a series well, of numbers. Don't even want to know the name. Yeah. Elon is at war with everyone. You got the shorts, the pedo guy, the federal regulators, Wall Street analysts, his own employees. He's like got an NLRB investigation going for sabotaging union efforts. Like it's the whole fucking shabam. And looming is that 200 million of convertible debt. The shorts, even though they're getting burned, like they're feeling fucking good about the fate of Tesla. They they Mm -hmm. see a cue on the horizon. 
you know, the SEC debacle, you've got Musk tweeting, you've got this dive in the share price when people realize that the Model 3's production goals are not going to be met, that there's like major logistical issues, that there's major production issues. But then something strange happened. Tesla posted Blockbuster third quarter, $312 million in profit. (laughs) Positive profits and cash flow for all quarters going forward, says Elon Musk. He delivered on that following quarter another $139 million in profit. 2018 finishes out a fucking success. And this is the thing. This insane year fucking worked. Yeah. It fucking worked. Yeah, it did. It worked. I mean, that, and that's the thing about Elon is that you can hate him. You can say, you know, he's a bullshitter. He's a liar. He makes cars that kill people. You know, the whole thing is just like a stock pumping scheme. And you'd be right. But here's the thing. And this is what a lot of people don't like. And, you know, I can apply this to my own life as well. Sometimes it works. You know, it worked for him. Yeah. The stock pumped high. The debt converted. He did his job. 2019 begins. You've got this now familiar cycle, crazy Elon antics, news stories about how crazy Elon, more fighting between bears and bulls, factions, all that resulting in more content mills, just like churning more stories, fueling the image of the crazy company, leading to more and more price pumps and bigger, bigger demo shows with more and more fake cars, flashing lights, more and more stock pumps, more and more stock pumps, more and more bogus accounting efforts to fuel more and more stock pumps and more short squeezes and debt conversion and tweets and stories about tweets and tweets about stories about tweets. And all of it fucking works. Yeah. It all fucking works. Musk is able to post four consecutive quarterly profits, now making the company eligible for the inclusion in the S&P. It's already in the NASDAQ. And now by June 2020, it has secured uh, the ability to be considered to be in the S&P. He's burned all the shorts. He's pushed enough of the ZEV sales to qualify for basically the largest institutional buy-in the company could ever dream of. Because here's the thing about the S&P. Like, okay, so remember the inclusion in the NASDAQ, how it required a bunch of firms to buy in, which thereby Mm -hmm. increased Tesla's price as NASDAQ tracked the funds that, like the NASDAQ tracked funds had to buy the stock. The same thing happens with the S&P, but it's so, so much, so, 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 so much bigger. Like, yeah. by joining the S&P 500, Tesla is now a mandatory purchase for trillions, like literally trillions of investment dollars that follow the index. Like, they don't have a choice. They have to buy Tesla. And the S&P is the most widely followed barometer of the U.S. stock market. It's basically like... It's like the world's financial economy measure. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It measures about $11 trillion worth of investments. And that's a lot of fucking money that then needs, like is required, like literally required now to flow into Tesla. The system has produced this, right? And it's somewhere between like 15 and 25 million shares of Tesla that now has to be bought. So he's like attached himself sort of parasitically to this, this organ of the S&P. Yes which is really an organ of the world's economy. Yeah. Um, after Tesla gets added, about 17% of its ownership will is by investors who merely own it because it's in the S&P, right? Goddamn. Yeah. yeah. So these are what's called passive investors, like institutional ownership of Tesla in 2020 fucking surges. Retail investors pile in, 
that causes more short squeezes. This is all kind of fueled by a lot of the slushy cash that the Trump admin is pumping into the kind of stagnant COVID economy. And Tesla stock rises by over 700% in 2020 alone. So by May 2021, just a couple, just what, last month, institutional investors, these are guys like BlackRock, Vanguard, Capworld, Bailey Gifford, Northern Trust, et cetera. All these guys own 40% of this fucking company, 40%. Like BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street, these are the largest names in retirement investing. Yeah. Pensions, retirement funds, 401ks, all those things that like your parents depend on and your grandparents and maybe some of you lucky or old guys listening, <laughs> like you now depend on fucking Tesla, which we just laid out is a fake company. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Totally. I mean, it's, it's, and it, the thing is though, like, I think they might've just like faked it till they made it. Absolutely. You know, like it, it doesn't even matter that it's a fake company. It's like, it's too big to fail now. And that's the thing is a lot of people say too big to fail. It's such a bad thing. It's true though. Some things are just too big. They won't let it fail. No, no, they won't. But here's the scary thing is that like it will fail. Not it's an it's a when, not an if. You know yeah. what I mean? And the thing that's scary is that like Tesla won't it's not some canary in the coal mine. Like it's it's the last stand. When Tesla dips, it's not gonna be a signal that like trouble is afoot. It's it when it falls, it will because everything else already did. Yeah. When Tesla falls, and again, it's a when, not an if. When it falls, it'll be because like all the tricks are finished and all the financial scaffolding has collapsed and all the accounting magic has gone poof and all the wheels go wumpy. And like when it falls, the show will be over. And I don't mean like Elon's. I mean like the whole show, like the big show, like the entire fucking thing. Like when, and again, when, not if, when this thing goes, it's now going to be all gone. So here's the deal. Episode one, we talked about the roots of the electric car and the roots of Elon Musk, two things that had absolutely nothing to do with each other. But I think it was important that we brought up the fact that Musk is descended from pioneering, and I mean that in two senses of the term, chiropractors. Being a chiropractor is essentially like being a witch doctor, except you don't add the sort of social um, element that witch doctors added to societies that they were in. Chiropractors are nothing but a drain on society that in fact hurt people while claiming they're helping people. Elon Musk is a chiropractor. Whether he's ever cracked a spine in his life or misaligned a baby's back or permanently disfigured somebody after giving them the first free chiropractic session at his chiropractor clinic, which should be shut down because it should be illegal. And I say Elon Musk is a chiropractor Again, not because he's ever done any of these things. I'm sure that he gives Grimes nice massages on her back. I'm sure that when she smokes a little meth, you know, gets a little high and makes her inane music, that he does indeed maybe nibble upon her ear. And the ear, I'm sure, does feel like I'm, her many bones in it, like he is doing something to harm her. I'm calling him a chiropractor because he's a fucking fraud. It's full of shit. And what he's doing is going to harm people. And whether it's going to harm people by making them, and again, burn to death in their car, whether he's going to harm people by fucking up the economy for everybody and making your goddamn 
aunt lose her goddamn life savings, you know, after working as a fucking nursing aide in high school for 40 years or whatever ants do for work. Uh, you know, Elon Musk is at its his core a spiritual chiropractor. And for that reason, and for basically every reason of the 15 plus hours of podcast that this is uh this has taken, uh Elon Musk shouldn't be in prison. Elon Musk should be forced for the rest of his horrible life for a man with knobbly little hands to push as hard as he can through the rippling porcine waves of flesh on the back of Elon Musk until he cracks every little piece of his spine out of place, permanently crippling it. Um, Elon Musk is a, I don't know, he's a piece of shit. And if you haven't gathered that he's a piece of shit, then his cars don't fucking work and that the company is a scam from listening to this, then I don't know what to tell you. Buy a fucking Model S. And the other thing, Kimball, is one day a real rain will come for you. And in fact, I'm quoting the movie Taxi Driver, which you'd probably be interested in the ending scene, as I'm sure you relate to many of the characters that the lead uh, that Robert De Niro shoots in it. In particular, the ones who are using the services of, uh, well, you've seen the movie. So you remember at the beginning of the series when we talked about how the story of Tesla um, like offers us a bit of a window or mm-hmm. like kind of helps us get at the heart of something bigger? Mm-hmm. I think before we wrap this up, like you said, 15 plus hours of podcasting, I want to like be clear about something, which is that like, I don't think that this is like a story of someone who abused power or like has gone too far off the rails or like if there was different leadership at Tesla, like things would be different. Like, I I think that this is probably where we part ways with a lot of the like Tesla Q guys. like, I think that Tesla and Elon are doing exactly what the underlying political and economic system has incentivized them to do. Like, it's not just incentivized. I mean, like, they're, like, created by the political and economic regime acting in concert with its directives. And like you said, like, they're doing it so fucking well, like, incredibly well. It's this, like, complex constellation of public private partnerships that we like sometimes tenuously describe as the state or the economy. It's those weird, the weird tax breaks that we talk about. And there's like half in half out measures that fuel innovation or technology where like, and it's like where all those little sites of technological development occur. And it's like this bizarro network that is basically the fundament of the post 2008 political economy in the US. Mm -hmm. This is like what produced Tesla. Tesla literally grows out of this. And so it's not like an example of things going haywire. It's an example of everything working as intended. Like Elon isn't just like a decadent elite, although yeah, of course, obviously he is one, you know, like, and he isn't just some insane chairman who needs to be reined in by like Congress or the SEC, though, like, obviously they should like do that. (laughs) Like, could do that if Mm -hmm. they wanted to and probably should. But he's like what every shareholder in the contemporary economy should hope for from a CEO, which is like to say that if every company is only incentivized to increase shareholder value, whether that's dressed up in ESG or not, they absolutely are. Like, then why the hell would you not want someone who goes this insane 
the way this motherfucker does. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Like, so maybe what I guess what we're saying is like the problem isn't Tesla or Elon, but like as we kind of have attempted to lay out, like what fuels, (laughs) tease that again, what fuels their rise in the first place? You know, like even the fact that the cars themselves are fucking shit is an example. Like it, it's a it's a product of our time. We are like decades now into this like global secular stagnation, which leads to compressed productivity gains, increasingly short growth cycles, all of that moving capital into like increasingly speculative ventures as it seeks profits. And we see this so clearly in this story. Like if Tesla couldn't securitize the cars, would they even be producing them? The cars like exist because without them, Tesla could not print government credits, which need which it needs to post profits in order to meet stock price goals in order to get institutional investment. Like they're more successful as a financial product than as actual fucking vehicles on the road. Yeah. Yes. And at the same time, like this polarized like identity marker of Tesla owner and like what all that comes like with with kind of like a personal brand baggage, all of that arises out of the awakening of social media and the attendant marketing and revenue networks that like are born out of that as well. You get these wars between the bulls and the bears and the shorts and the longs and like the religious Tesla believers and the forsaken doubters and all of these battles that play out on cable financial news networks and blogs and social influencers, all of them who have their own fantasies about big clout paydays, you know, the polarization of all these factions and the ensuing content mine is a necessary byproduct of the drive for the cheap profits. Like the required volatility, whether it's in the financial or the content marketplace, is what fuels the quick gains. And I, I think that's what we're really trying to get at here and why it took so long like you said, why we're laying this groundwork, whether it's, you know, Elon's grandfather or like the erstwhile California progressive environmentalist politicos or whatever. Like it takes a long time to kind of lay this out to walk through the story. The, you know, all the ZEV credits and the California business leaders and the social media influencers and the showmanship and the song and dance and all the financial manipulation of the stock exchanges the intense paranoia and the surveillance and the abuses and then the fucking shitty cars themselves. Like all of these pieces fit together to form a puzzle that lays out at least part of, you know, I think what we're trying to say, at least part of how our world works from innovation and manufacturing all the way up through production and profit seeking into financialization and the birth of the attention marketplaces and then deep deep into like the heart of the political itself and there's this dizzying cacophonous symphony orchestrated by this you know honestly like truly phenomenal maestro with each successive movement always somehow crescendoing into a larger fucking payout for as long as you can keep the band playing on. And there's this like horrific and equally fantastic realization that like Tesla is not an exception. It's not the exception. Like Tesla's the rule. Yeah. And and the thing is, the rules suck. The exception sucks. Elon Musk sucks. The cars suck. 
California sucks. Any kind of credits you get from the government sucks. The government sucks. SpaceX sucks. Fucking Neuralink suck. The mines that Neuralink works on sucks. They all fucking suck, and they can all fucking suck my dick. All right, and on that note, I do have to disclose that I'm in pretty deep with Tesla stock at this point. <laughs> I mean, that was a long episode. I did some, you know, where you were talking for a while there. I did some some training on Robinhood, and uh, well, it's not just me, but both of you guys too. We're pretty tied up with Tesla at this point uh, in the evening. The entire Patreon's bought in. I, Anyone you, listening to this on Patreon, you, you are, are now invested in Tesla. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> and here's the thing: is like the robo taxi thing looks like it's going to work. Yeah, we're you know what it's coming. It's coming real soon. Have you right seen the hyperloop down the bend? And yeah, we didn't even get to Neuralink and the hyperloop. My 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 understanding of the hyperloop is it looks like it's just a tunnel that only Teslas can go down one way very slowly. Yeah, it's so stupid. Dude. I it's could so stupid. Uh, check this out. Tunnel, two directions. Yeah. Boom. Mm-hmm. Where's your money? Check this out. Tunnel underneath uh, the English Channel from uh, England to France. Yeah, tunnel. The tunnel. No, but make another one that I own. Oh, Hyper Channel. Hyper Channel. <laughs> well, my name is Brace. I'm Liz. We are, of course, joined by producer Young Chomsky. And uh, thank you to John Vanderslice for letting us use his studio, unless it was letting us use his studio that got me really sick, and unfortunately mm. I am dying, and girls should feel sorry for me, and I'm in the hospital, and please send me flowers. I'm such a hey. bad boy. Oh, my God. You're not in the hospital. You don't know that. I do know that. But you can see that I'm somewhere, but they got really good at making backgrounds right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> and yeah, I am here. I am at fucking Elon Musk's house. It's a fucking cool house. Oh, one last thing. One last thing. One last thing. This is something we talked about in episode two. We did talk about the robot dick thing. By the way, it was not Azealia who told me that. It was yeah, somebody else. Yeah, stop guessing that. That's it's, not who You'll was. never guess who told me that because you don't know who. It, this, you'll just never guess. Other people fuck Elon. Exactly. Unfortunately. So here, so here, so here's this little bonus for you. First of all, okay, we did not cover the Epstein stuff. Elon Musk, many dealings with Epstein, his wife Tallulah Riley says he blamed it all on meeting, wanted to meet her. It looks like Epstein maybe got a special private tour of SpaceX. The real thing with that is, is Kimball Musk. Kimball Musk, you know the East 66th Street apartment building that we talked about in like every fucking Epstein episode? Yes. You know, he's like, that's where he keeps his child sex slaves that he brings over from Eastern Europe. Uh, well, two of the girls that work, that live there, that worked, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, two of his sex slaves that he had there, Epstein famously made two of them get lesbian married uh, in order to like a citizenship type arrangement. Well, Kimball Musk started dating one of the chicks in that lesbian marriage from like 2011, 2013. And like, this is, I mean, this isn't just like dating an Epstein associate. This is dating one of like Epstein's sex slaves. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Also, Kimball, I know what you do at the parties at your house. I, again, I, I do. I've had people tell me we've been to them. So I know what you do there. And Elon Musk, I know that sometimes you invite girls over pretending that it's going to be a party and they just show up at your house and it's just you in a fucking feather mask, look like a fucking freak. And then you do like MDMA and try to have sex with them. That is a familiar move in LA, apparently. Not familiar to me. I just mean that I have heard that of lots of Hollywood types, mm-hmm. 
pulling that where they're like, hey, come over. It's a party. And then it's just like them and a ton of chicks. Oh, whoa. Oh, ton of Because I can imagine. That'd be funny if you were like, yeah, no, no, cool. No, the, you seem really cool. There's a party at my house tonight and there's no one at your house. <laughs> That's a big gamble move. That's like the reverse pizza pizza bomb, you know, mm. where you call, some, you call in a pizza delivery. Mm-hmm. That's the reverse of that somehow. It makes sense in my head. Okay. Well, I'll allow it. We've been recording for four and a half hours. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Elon Musk. Elon Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Elon Elon Musk.